World's Finest Podcast, Episode 33. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Good evening to you, sir. How are you doing? Um, I have no way to uh, explain how I'm doing, really. It's just yeah. been a very weird couple of weeks for me. I've, uh, as uh, you know on the forums, I posted uh, about a day or two after we posted our last WFP episode. My, uh, my desktop's hard drive decided to wipe itself out. Mm. So I lost... I don't know, 150 gigs worth of files and stuff. And what what hurt the most was losing all my music video files from the past. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't ever go back and edit them or do anything, which means no no better version of that first video I told that I was gonna hopefully send you within the next week or so. But yeah. never gone on to doing it. So that's I guess that's my punishment for not doing that is I lose everything. What does that mean for future video projects? Were you working on anything? That you have to start over from scratch, uh, or what? Thankfully, no, because I've been doing most of my the last three or four videos I've done have all been my desk or my laptop, so we don't have to worry about that. It's just I lost all my old files, so yeah. it's like, that's just it's, <laughs> I love, that's God knows how many DVDs worth of ripped information that's been transferred and converted, warped, edited in any number of ways, and it's just it's all gone. So you know. It's just, I don't even know what to say. It's it sucks. It yeah. really sucks. But I got a raise at work, so oh, that's that was kind of nice. And then, yeah, we, uh, my friends and I went and saw The Dark Knight. The what? You, oh, you mean you haven't seen it yet? No. What, what movie are you talking about? Um, is that is, is that the one with um uh what's his name Superman? <laughs> Sorry, I can't keep it up. <laughs> yeah, you can't keep a straight face <laughs> or the straight voice, as it were. This this is an audio podcast. <laughs> yes. So, um, obviously, we're gonna talk about the film. Uh, we won't spoil anything. No. Uh, but some of the things we may say may excuse me some of the things we will say may verge on spoilers so if you haven't seen it yet you might want to fast forward for a little bit a minute 10 minutes i don't know we'll see how it goes <laughs> so uh overall on a scale of awesomeness uh where does it rank how many awesomes does it get <laughs> um a galactic level of awesome yeah yeah i don't know it's and the thing is that when it, when it ended all i could think really it was just a feeling of emptiness in that We'll never see another Heath Ledger performance. Yeah, that's that's really all I could think about. I knew, I, in my brain, I knew the mo- what I had just seen was fantastic on any number of levels. Yeah, but I could I couldn't think of anything else but Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. As I was watching the film, never once. No, I take that back. Once, at one point during the film, I thought of Ledger, and I'm trying to remember. What it was. When he was out of makeup for that one point? No. No, 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 no. Oh, and of course, so we do got to say, 
it was makeup. Remember, there was a yes. we were asked many episodes ago, what did we think? Was it makeup? Was it bleached skin? Um, so what? Now that we know it's makeup for sure, what did you feel about it? Did it work for you? Were you upset that it was bleached? What 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 do you think? Um, I didn't even pay attention to it because yeah. I was so I was so mesmerized by his performance. Mm-hmm. I didn't care if it was makeup or bleach. Mm-hmm. I did not care. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I stand by that right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. If you know, I kept on thinking, you know, maybe his face is just bleach, but then you could tell the makeup was a little different. It was running because he was sweating or whatever. It got wiped off his forehead at one point, and then of course we do see him without it for the briefest, brief, briefest, I should say, of moments. And I was like, okay, it's makeup, no big deal. He's he's still scarred in some way. You know, there we go. Um, but getting back to what I was saying before. There was one point where I thought of Ledger, and I really can't remember what it was. Um, I don't even want to try to speculate as to what it was out loud, because I'm afraid I might spoil something in doing that. But besides that one point throughout the whole movie, I did not see Heath Ledger. I saw the best Joker performance I have ever seen. I honestly believed that was the Joker. Um... And it was one of those things where if I saw that walking down the street, I would literally cross the street now. You know what I'm saying? Whereas before I'd be like, oh, it's someone in the Joker makeup. Now if I see someone that has, you know, the same general build, the same costume, the convincing makeup, I I would cross the street because I'd be like, that's fucked up. You know, I honestly believe the Joker is out there now. And it doesn't help the fact that it was filmed in Chicago and I happen to live in Chicago. You know, <laughs> and the thing is, it's blatantly Chicago. They didn't even hide the fact that it's Chicago. They were using LaSalle. I mean, there's the, you can see the river. There's this, there's that. I mean, Jenny and I were sitting next to each other in the theater and we're just, we're not saying anything, but we're just like sort of glancing at each other once in a while going like, yeah, I recognize that. And I recognize that. And I recognize that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, this movie just rocked so hard. I mean, I will admit at the end, it started to get a little long. I mean, this is like a two and a half hour long movie. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it felt padded. That doesn't mean it was bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, you start to kind of feel the time, but let me modify that by saying during the movie, I drank like a huge bottle of water. So for those last 25 minutes, I had to take a mean piss really bad so i was holding it and holding it and I, I it's okay i there was no way i was gonna get up to to, to go to the bathroom during this movie you oh. know i don't do that during movies but during this movie there was no way i would have pissed my pants before i did that uh the last movie i did it with was the the fantastic four but come on really it was a fantastic four you know it if you would leave for five minutes to go to the washroom you really didn't miss anything with this movie you needed to see everything that was happening. And in fact, I'm going to see it again tomorrow night. Um, just so I can uh, have it fresh in my mind for, so when Jen and I review it for this upcoming episode of earth to at the show, um, you know, I, I've, I've seen it twice and I can feel confident in talking about the plot. Cause do you agree that the plot kind of gets a little confusing at some points? Uh, it does, but I, I don't know if that's I think a that's... bad thing though. No, it needs to be. It needs to be complex because you have such complex characters, yeah. and especially in Joker and then uh, and uh, Dent, mm-hmm. as, as the movie goes further and further along, of course. Yeah, because, I mean, think about how many storylines you have going on. You have Bruce and his plight as Batman, 
you have Rachel and Dent, you have the Joker coming in, um, you have the, all this stuff with Gordon, but I'm, of course I'm not going to say what that is, because that's a huge spoiler, um, which was genius, too. That was, like, awesome. Oh, my God. I'm going to be using that word so much when I talk about this movie. <laughs> um, then you've got the stuff with Bruce, Rachel, and Dent. You know, you've got the stuff with all the cops, who's clean, who's dirty. You've got the mob stuff. You've got the... Uh, the, the fellow that Batman has to chase after, you know, again, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but you know what I'm talking about there. You know, oh, yes. you got all this going on and then that's like just the first half of the movie. And then you get the back half of the movie and it's like, Oh my God, there's more. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, it was, Oh man. So wild. I, I mean, I honestly believe anybody who wanted to see it has already seen it. So we almost shouldn't have to worry about spoilers because I have faith that our listeners, the people who listen to a DC animated universe podcast who are Batman fans have seen the <laughs> Batman movie. But who knows? Maybe they're holding out for uh, an IMAX showing. And I know here in Chicago, it's sold out at the IMAX for like the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Our, the, so, one, the, the IMAX we have here in the, in, uh, the Atlanta metro area is, was sold out through this week. Yeah. So, and I really wanted to see it in IMAX, but I was like, no, there's no way I'm going to wait that long to go see yeah. this movie. That, yeah, absolutely. Jen and I, we almost saw a midnight screening Thursday night, but we decided against it, even though she didn't have to go into work on Friday until a little later than normal, I think like two hours later than she had to be there. I, I told her, I'm like, Jen, this is like a two and a half hour long movie. When you factor in the drive and whatever else, you know, we're not going to be getting home until like three three thirty in the morning, she's only you know. I told her I'm like you're only going to get a couple hours sleep at best. I'm like we'll see it Friday or Saturday, and that's what we did. We saw it Saturday. So, wow, wow, yeah, wow. I know, I'm I'm speechless. I I I am literally speechless at this film. I think even if you and I were giving out spoilers, you know, really talking about the film here, I still think I'd be speechless. It's like I'm talking, but I'm not saying anything. It's you know typical me. You know? <laughs> Gee, I can't wait for your review on Earth Two Night at the show. Then I know it's going to be like it's going to be like a Two five hours. minute show. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be thirty minutes uh, a thirty minute intro with Jen and I just bantering, and then it's going to be five minutes of us sort of talking about the Dark Knight, and then there's going to be a review uh, of Wanted from Ian. That's it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if, if you people haven't seen it yet, if you're waiting to see it in the IMAX theaters. Stop waiting to see it in the IMAX theater. Go to your normal theater, see it, and then go see it in the IMAX if you really want to. But you are missing legitimate, a masterpiece, a masterpiece uh, of cinema right there. Um, something Desmond Reddick said over at the Earth2.net forums is something I completely agree with. And that is, this is not a superhero film. This is a Martin Scorsese film that mm -hmm. just has Batman and the Joker. And it's yes. like, he's right. He is absolutely right. This this isn't, you know, your typical superhero movie. Like, not even your typical really good superhero movie, like X-Men 2 or Spider-Man 2. You know, this this is on a whole other level. You still have to acknowledge it as a comic book movie because of the source material, obviously. But it's it's not a superhero movie. Oh, man. Okay, let's let's move on to email because I'm just going to keep saying Joy, awesome. And joygasm, awesome. joygasm, joygasm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Okay, let's move on to emails here. First one is from Chris, who writes, Hey guys, it's Chris. I've been listening for a while, and I've been wondering if there's anywhere you know of that I can rent or buy the Gotham Knights seasons on DVD. Already tried Netflix. Um, I th- Best Buy? Or are, we t- well, wait, are we talking, are we talking well, about the Batman animated series season four? Right, or? that's the thing. I, I actually answered this one. Um, I, I responded to this one through email. But I figured... We should read this one on the air because a lot of people might be confused. They might go out looking for the Gotham Knights season or seasons, and they won't find it. Mm-hmm. Because some people might not realize that it was renamed Batman the Animated Series Volume 4 for DVD release. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they just didn't say, here's Gotham Knights or the new Batman Adventures or whatever they were calling it. You know, I don't know why they said Batman the Animated Series Volume 4. But they did that. So that is at Best Buy, that is on Amazon, that is at Netflix. Um, your local video store, your blockbusters, they may have it too. So yeah, and just I'll tell you, tell you this much, guys. If you act now, because right now, I, I hate to plug a store on our show, but uh, Best Buy has almost the entire DCAU that's out on DVD on sale right now. That's Batman Beyond, Superman, Justice League, uh, and Batman the Animated Series. They have them for a ridiculously low price. I, t- I said this on the forums. I got seasons two and three of Batman Beyond and season two of Justice League Unlimited for a total of $41, when no normally way. normally it would be over $90. Then that sale goes through, I think, August 2nd. So if you don't have any seasons that and you really want to get them, now is the time. Do it. Oh, man. I'm almost regretting the fact that I own everything at this point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is that is that to help promote the movie? Is, I yes. Mean, that's got to be what it is. It's a Dark Knight thing because they, okay. have, they have a display of Batman Gotham Knight there, mm. all the different versions of it, the Blu-ray and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. They got all that there, and they got the Dark Knight. They got Batman Begins on sale, the two-disc special edition. So, yeah, it's definitely a Dark Knight promotion. Mm. So, you know, act now. I, I want to say, just real quick, I want to mention that that uh, Batman the Animated Series complete set that's coming out. That's coming out in a couple of months, isn't it? I believe so, yes. I'm a little disappointed that they're not really doing anything all that new with it. If you look at the promotional picture, the discs are the same. They didn't even change the way the discs look. It's, it's the same art that's, that's on the discs. And it's like, how can they not have... Okay, I can understand not having commentaries for every episode. That's a huge commitment that those guys, they they just can't do. But how about some new commentaries? Yeah. Give us something new, you know? I mean, if, if you're going to ask us to double dip, give us a reason to double dip besides some new featurette with stills we've never seen before. Yay, no, give us other stuff. So I'm, I'm a little disappointed there. Yeah. Do you know I really want to hear their thoughts on... A lot of episodes, mm-hmm. and that—it's disappointing. It really is. Yeah, it's—it's it's like I get pissed off when I see that there's a commentary for critters and not old wounds. Yeah, it, yeah, right. There's not a commentary for old wounds, is there? Now that I now that I say it, I'm wondering. No, I don't think there is. In fact, I have the DVDs right here. I'm gonna look. Hang on one second here. Old Wounds is disc three. Yeah, it's just Critters. Just crit- It's like, I understand why they did the commentary for Critters, and we'll be talking about that in a little bit. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> but, yes. uh... Critters. It's, it's, how, it's like, how could you not... Like, how could you... Like, not... Uh, mm, I, 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 I'm losing my words. That's how frustrated I, frustrated I am. You know, it's like, 
how could you not sit down and talk about an episode that is so huge? I mean, that's the breakup of Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. But no, let's do a commentary about Farmer Brown and his steroid-enhanced daughter and their stupid fucking chickens. Lame. Anyways. Anyway, next email from Eric, who writes, Hello, guys. Let me start off by saying, damn you, Disney. Disney has prevented not only Spider-Man and X-Men, but also the original Power Rangers from being released on DVDs. Oh, it is seems... that why they're not on DVD? I didn't know that. I didn't know that Disney owned those the rights to that either. Yeah. Hey. It seems like if they don't make it, they don't give a shit about those fans. Mm-hmm. Also, yes, the concept for the Dolph Lundgren He-Man sequel was made into Cyborg. Look for Wiki. Uh, look on Wiki for that. Cyborg 2 followed after. Mike, because of you, my mind ends up, ends up in the gutter when I watch these shows now. Roxy definitely has an Excellent. orgasm. So much so. You have to turn down, <laughs> I have to turn down my TV or my neighbors would think I'm watching a porno. Mm-hmm. My problem with Roxy is why is she working for the Penguin? She never reveals why she's robbing people for black marketing. Batman and Batgirl make the suggestion she's out for revenge, but we never see that from her. Also, what was the point in Batgirl being there in costume? She does nothing. Mike, you are right about Batman being animated funny at the end of the episode. It always did bug me. But I always saw it as Roxy's point of view and Batman, kind of how the 1966 Batman series, how the screen was uh, titled sideways whenever we saw the villains. Mm, okay. New, in t- uh, excuse me, New Kids in Town is one of my favorite episodes, but I do have to ask, if Brainiac is so far in the future, would he be more advanced? He's a living computer, a thousand years into the future, absorbing all that technology, and he still appears the same. Yeah. I do have this feeling like Darkseid is still... Uh, is still in Brainiac, and that's why Brainiac is stupid enough to go and attempt to kill Clark instead of just destroying the Earth. <laughs> I like that idea, that because we get so used to Brainiac being in someone else, Brainiac being in Luthor, Brainiac being in Darkseid. I like the reverse, that Darkseid is still in Brainiac. That, of course, that's not what they intended, because that episode of Superman was produced years before they ever dreamt up combining Brainiac and Darkseid, but I like that explanation a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Good for you, sir. Yeah, because, yeah, Darkseid can uh, lose his cool, and mm-hmm. Brainiac won't. Yeah. Uh, wow, James, you said it for me. Over the Edge is arguably the best episode of Gotham Knights. The point of view of Batgirl crashing into the car was so shocking, especially the first time you watch it. Mike, you have to remember this is all Barbara's fear of what would happen if she died, so maybe the ego comment about how, how far Batman would go through Barbara's eyes isn't really true. It's just fear, not necessarily what she knows would happen. Remember in Nighttime, Gordon mentions that he uh, ha- that Bane has revived his Venom formula, but we never know how refined it was. This episode also reveals that Gordon knows Barbara uh, and knows she's Batgirl. I love that, even if the scene felt rushed. After you mentioning the UK edited version of the GK episodes, when the DVDs came out in their area, do they... Do they get our uncut versions or their edited versions on DVD? I believe. Now, I I need someone from the UK to confirm this, but I believe they get our versions. And the reason I'm 99% sure about this is because there's another podcast I listen to called Make It So, a Star Trek podcast. That's the full name, Make It So, a Star Trek podcast. And uh, in an episode I was just listening to, they were talking about how certain episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, that when they air over in the UK, they were edited for various reasons. And the only way they could see the unedited versions was to buy the DVDs. Not the Region 1 DVDs, not import those, but actual the re- the Region 2 DVDs, which would be, I think Region 2 is the UK. Whatever their region is, they were unedited. So I, I assume they get the version that we in, the- in North America got. Certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. Uh... 
Obsession is not one of my favorites. For one, it seems like Toy Man creates himself a sex toy. I mean, as a toy maker, uh, as a toy maker makes a toy that can move and talk, what else did he make it for? There's your influence, Mike. <laughs> I didn't like Toy Man after his first appearance. At that point, it was, it was a reason we could all understand. In this future episode, he's just a nut. Also, Robot Alert, Static Shock sequel. Where did you get Toys in the Hood, Mike? Is there a DVD best of you picked up? Wait, what, huh? Uh, he's asking where you because remember in our last episode you said I'm, you're tempted to go watch toys in the oh movie yeah to see. oh where did I get it is that something you may or may not have downloaded uh, that's something I may or may not yeah yeah you know there, there's ways to get these things that aren't available on DVD yeah maybe I yeah I don't know move on please not this year <laughs> okay. Um, okay uh mean season well, let me just put it this way let me just put it this way James and I are gonna cover it on the show. But it hasn't been released on DVD, so some shadiness had to happen for us to cover it, okay? That's all I'm saying. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I recorded all of them on VHS tape several years ago, oh, don't you know? Th- that's exactly what I meant. Yes, yes. <clears throat> <clears throat> anyway, uh, Mean Seasons is only one point better than Critters, but more on that when the episode comes. Mm. Mm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, but we'll get to that later. Mm. Okay. Oh, I want to say something about Roxy real quick. Um, okay. In the email, he says, um, can, can you read that portion again? I think he, he was wondering why Roxy was working for Penguin, correct? Yes. He says, my problem with Roxy is why is she working for the Penguin? She never reveals why she's robbing people or for black, mar- uh, for black marketing. See, that's the thing. I don't think she was ever working for him. Uh, my impression, and I could be wrong, but what I took from it is that the Penguin, he's a fence. That, that's one of the things he does. So she was just taking, taking, I should say, her goods to him. So, and he was paying her for those, and then he was selling them at a higher price. That's all it was. Penguin was just a middleman. He wasn't saying, go steal this, go steal that, do this, do that. She was just taking the goods to him. But I don't know. Maybe there's a line in there where he actually says she's working for him. I'd have to watch it again. And I may, because again, I, I look kind of like that episode. So, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Mainly for the ending. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next one is from Austin, who writes, Hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time writer. I love the podcast. It really is fantastic. And the best one I've listened to is the only one I really anticipate the next episode coming out. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. I actually went out, and, uh, and because I love the podcast so much, I picked up the entire DCAU on DVD. Unfortunately, only Batman Volumes 1 and 2 were released on DVD in the UK, which meant I had to import them. But bugger it, the podcast is so good, it was worth it. By the way, I love the shows more now than I did when I was a kid when I only caught them sporadically on CITV. Anyone who lives in the U.K. or has ever been in the U.K. will remember this with fondness. When they would show BTAS or Superman the Animated Series, I am now 20 years old and can, with the help of WFP, I'm noticing little things in the show that I never saw before. For example, DVD is the next 8-track and so on. (laughs) What I love is the way you look at these shows in detail from not only a fan perspective, but also try to review from a a reviewing standpoint and don't let your personal views hamper uh, the reviews. Oh, Sometimes they do. <laughs> we try not to, but yeah. sometimes they do. Okay, a lot yeah, of Harley times Quinn. they do, but we try not to. <laughs> Harley Quinnad following the terrible trio comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to answer your UK question from the last episode of WFP, British television cutting that sequence does not surprise me, as the UK Television, uh, television Council may have deemed it too violent for kids programming. This is the same thing that happened uh, when they changed the name of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles because Ninja was deemed too, uh, deemed too violent. 
Also, Batman Beyond was changed to Batman of the Future. I still need that one explained. I can understand the Turtles thing. That that I knew, because when I went over to, uh, for those people that don't know, I've been to Dublin twice, and Jen and I, we went into uh, some store. I, I don't know what it was. They were selling movies and CDs and shit. And uh, we saw the Turtles on the TV. You know, they were playing a promo for it, and they said Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And we both turned around like, the fuck was that, you know? So as we're walking around, I saw the DVDs or video cassettes or whatever they were, for Batman Beyond, but it's like Batman of the Future. I'm like, why is that Batman of the Future? The, the ninja hero thing, I completely get. Ninjas are generally bad guys. Okay, but Batman of the Future? That's such a clunky title. Batman Beyond has nice alliteration, you know? Yes. I don't know. Yeah, I, apparently Beyond is a violent word that must be <laughs> quashed. <laughs> uh, I have one question that I was wondering you guys could answer for me about the DCAU. Batman and Batman Beyond faces Mr. Freeze, the Joker, Bane, and uh, Rachel Ghoul in some capacity, but whatever happened to Two-Face or the Riddler, Poison Ivy, or the Penguin? What did Batman ultimately do to stop them, or when Batman gave up, or did Batman end up having to send them to their deaths, or were they cured? Well, we never really find out. Yeah. It's just, it, we assume we can assume with Two Face, Riddler, and Penguin, they just died of old age. I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you consider how these guys lived and everything they did, they chances of them, chances of them dying of old age are slim. But they might have. What's more likely is that they crossed another mob boss, or they just ended up killing each other off. Some sort of uh, Mexican standoff, so to speak, and they blew each other away. Uh, maybe some of them got reformed. You know, I'd like to think Two Face. Um, that his uh, outer and inner scars were healed, and he was able to reacclimate himself into the general population. Maybe that happened, maybe it didn't. I don't know, I'm just speculating. So, you know, it sort of would have been nice to know what happened to them, but at the same time, I sort of like the mystery, too. Yeah, because you can formulate your own opinions. Mm -hmm. And as, you know, like Poison Ivy, there's any number of things that could have happened to her, because she doesn't really need the same nutrition that a human being does. Yeah. A normal human does. Right. So for all we know, God only knows what happened to her. Yeah. For all we know, she's mutated to a point where she became like a new garden in the middle of Gotham City. You know, there could be some tree that used to be Pamela Isley. Um, maybe she's, I don't know, literally living in the ground, not underground, but in the ground, waiting to strike again at some point. I don't know. Yeah. She's she's probably one of the ones that did somehow survive, though, just based on her altered genetic makeup. Also, what is your favorite thing about the DCAU so far? Mm. Uh, I would say continuity. Probably that's the very first thing that comes to mind is a, a grand universe. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. It's the continuity, actually seeing the universe build episode to episode, um, seeing new characters introduced and then eventually expanded out into other cartoons. Um, because we really hadn't seen that before. And and no. just, just watching it as it was happening uh, was amazing. And watching it now, looking back on it, it's somehow even more amazing. Because there's little things that they were just doing. And they didn't think they'd ever come back to you. You listen to the commentaries. They say this all the time. And then at some point they're like, oh my god, we did this and we did this five years later, and we can tie them together. And I like that sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Serendipity? Is that quite the word I'm looking for? You know, whatever. Just where, I had an epiphany. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, just where two things you did, you can somehow connect, and it makes the, the universe better for it. Just watching it blossom. It's, it's 
that's it for me. It's unique. Yes. <laughs> to say the very yeah. least. Um, mine would be as weird as it may sound. Uh, I love the way that David Warner uh, calls Batman detective. Right. I mean, it sounds great whenever he says it, especially when he says it in Batman beyond. Anyway, uh, I would just, I just like to end by saying I love the podcast and have a great day. You do the same, sir. Thank, Thank you. you very much. All right. Next one's from Stuart, who writes, Okay, I don't know if anybody remembers, but in Pretty Poison on Isley's ID, it shows that Gotham City is in New York. So, yeah, I don't think that it's in New Jersey, but at least in the at least in the animated universe. Mm. Probably not, but, you know, we're, we're going to debate this till the end of time, yeah. just like certain other things that we <laughs> try to stay away from. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's something I want to bring up. Uh, we didn't read an email in the last episode asking what I had against Ohio, did we? I don't believe okay, so. Okay, someone sent in an email, and it dawned on me that I think I might have like lost the email, or we didn't respond to it, or something. Um, but someone sent in an email noting that I must have like disparaged Ohio like once or twice, and if I did, I'm sorry. I, I never meant to do that. I, I I don't even know what I may have said. Um, I just I have no idea. So. Yeah, I know we've spoken about it before when we were talking about where Metropolis is in the DC universe, where Central City is in the DC universe. It was probably that episode, you know, when we were talking about how mm-hmm. a lot of those cities are in the Midwest. Um, I honestly don't know what I said. Didn't mean to, uh, yeah, hurt anybody's feelings by saying anything bad about where they live. Um, in fact, I'll tell you, the very first uh, road trip Jenny and I ever took together was to Ohio. We went to... I do not remember what it was called. I just remember it was to Ohio, but it was some sort of uh, a theme park, I guess. But uh, the reason I remember that, even though I don't remember where we went, that's going to sound weird. I don't, I don't remember where we went, but I knew it was somewhere in Ohio. But the reason I remember that is because as we were driving, um, I was driving. Jen was in the passenger seat. We actually had a friend with us in the in the back seat. It was uh, one of Jenny's uh, longtime female friends. And uh, while we were driving, I looked over at Jenny, and that was the moment I realized I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. So uh, all the girls just went, "Oh my god, that's awesome!" Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the guys just all rolled their eyes. You know, like who cares? Um, <laughs> but no. So Ohio definitely has a special place in my heart because, like I said. That happened on the way to there. So, yeah, nothing against it. Nothing against it at all. Yeah. When I was in my first year of college, uh, during our little three-week winter quarter, so to speak, uh, I was in a drawing class, and we went to – we actually went to uh, the Cincinnati Museum of Art. Beautiful place. I highly recommend it if you ever visit Ohio. Mm -hmm. Go to the Cincinnati Museum. It's very nice. So, yeah, there's my little Ohio story. (laughs) Anyway, next email is from Claire, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I just finished watching Batman Gotham Knight, and I have to say I'm really disappointed. For me, this was the worst of the DC animated movies. It was even worse than Superman Doomsday. Qua? <laughs> Which, while not a bad movie, definitely had its problems. I really had high expectations of the movie because Kevin Conroy did the voice of Batman, and it looked so awesome. I actually bought it the other day, uh, and it came out for $25. The special features were really good, including four episodes of BTAS. Yay! Which ones? But, um, God, which, I can't, I, I can't remember which ones it is. Um, I, you know what? I'm almost afraid that the Terrible Trio might be one of them. No! They did. Okay, now, you keep reading that email, and I'm going to look that up. All right. Yeah, I, I can't remember which four it is to save my life. Over the Edge is one of them. I know that. Uh, but I don't remember the other three. Okay. 
Uh, okay, she goes on to say here, while I respect that they were trying to reimagine Batman in an anime style, it, uh, in most of the short films, he just looked bizarre, not badass. The animation style was so hard to get used to. It seemed really choppy. However, the views of Gotham were amazing. The only problem was the characters looked slightly out of place in some of the stories. It was also weird because in two of the stories, it showed Bruce is really young. He looked like a teenager or a sickly man in his 20s, and Kevin Conroy's deep voice completely did not fit with this design. Um, let's see. As far as the... Uh, him looking bizarre goes. I think. I think uh, you're probably referring to the first part of that the most because that's it was like a uh, their their version of Legends of the Dark Knight where the bunch of kids tell their renditions of stories about when they they saw the Batman. Uh, you know, I think that the point of that one that episode was to show that kids have wild imaginations. So of course they're gonna embellish things and exaggerate things to the point where Batman, in their minds, they make Batman look like this freak of nature that isn't really human, but a bat mutant thing. So, but, uh, I don't know about the other ones. The other ones, I, the animation looked just fine to me. But, you know, to to each his or her own. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't comment. Um, the other day, I went to the grocery store, and then we got one of those red box things there, you know, where you can rent DVDs, and, uh, I, I saw that it said they had you know, Batman Gotham Knights. I'm like, oh, okay, it's only a buck. I'll, I'll rent it for a buck. Because at that point, I was starting to see some really bad reviews, you know? So I was like, there's mm-hmm. no way I'm buying this thing. But for a buck, sure, whatever. And uh, it was uh, sold out or, you know, out of stock or whatever. So I was like, damn it. And I haven't been back to the store to see if they've uh, gotten it in since then. So, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. I can't really comment. But anyways, um, the DVD has Heart of Ice, uh, I Am the Knight, Legends of the Dark Knight, and Over the Edge. Okay. At least that's what the wiki says. I don't know why I thought Terrible Trio was on there. Thank God it's not. Yeah, let's put yeah. the Terrible Trio on there. Let's put Critters on there, Christmas with the Joker, and um, the, I don't know, the Red Claw episode. I don't know. <laughs> Cat in the claw. There yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> okay, I think the main problem I had with the film was the lack of personality and characterization. In many of the shorts, Bruce slash Batman has very few lines at all. The only shorts where we see growth for Bruce uh, and Batman are in Field Test and Working Through Pain. Working Through Pain was the only short that I really enjoyed. It showed Batman's strength and uh, venerability at the same time. When Batman finds a number of guns buried in the city sewers, it shows the most tragic part of his character. No matter how much he fights, he can still never win the war on crime. Working Through Pain also shows an interesting part of Bruce's training to become Batman. As for the villains, they get no character development at all. Half of Batman's appeal is the uniqueness of his villains. The three villains present in the movie, Killer Croc, Scarecrow, and Deadshot, are given no characterization whatsoever. Killer Croc doesn't have any lines besides roaring. That I actually do agree with, because they are really hardly ever shown in which and have time in which to say lines. So, yeah, you, you're dead on there. Uh, but I still love the dead shot one. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, the other major flaw with the movie was that Batman was missing his sidekicks. I understand that this is supposed to be a bridge between the newest Batman films, even though it barely makes reference to them at all. But without the Bat family, Batman just gets too heavy and dark to be enjoyable. There was not a single funny thing in the entire movie. Having Robin, uh, having Robin in the movie would have ba- helped balance it out. Robin is also a crucial part of the Batman mythos, and he reveals a different side of Batman. So having a, re- a movie without Robin is just strange. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't have Robin if he's de- he really doesn't exist in that semi-continuity yet, so what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Robin. You all know that. I, I make no bones about it, but I honestly don't know if Robin can work in the universe Nolan is setting up. 
And since this movie does take place to some extent in that universe, as James just said, you can't you can't use the character. You can't you can't introduce him. So, you know, he he might help things out. You know, it might make the cartoons a little lighter, but that's not the overall tone the movies and the uh, anime was going for. No, not at all. Anyway, that is my rant. I realize that it's a bit off-topic from WFP, but I would love to hear your views on the movie, maybe on Earth 2. Did you guys dislike it as much as I did, or does it have some of the merits that I didn't realize? Keep up the great podcast, Claire. Um, hopefully I can write a review of it for the main page at some point, I, I, and hopefully before I start school again next month, because when that happens, God knows when I'm going to have time to do that. As a, will it, will right. it be a episode of uh, Tranquil Tirades, or will it just be a regular straight-up review? It'll just be a straight-up review, because I, I enjoyed it overall. Okay. Oh, my cat just jumped on my computer. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nikita, damn you, you cutie pie. Your cat's name is Nikita? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my dad named her after La Femme Nikita. I, I would guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cutie pie. But don't jump on my laptop. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next email is from Mike, who writes, Mike, I hope your allergies get cleared up. Thank you. I'm, mm-hmm, I'm basing the comparison and breakdown of talent off of Conroy's DCAU performances with the extra attention to World's Finest and, of course, Sisto in The New Frontier. First off, Conroy does the switching voice thing when he's Bruce, and he's very uh, joyful and upbeat when he's... Uh, but when he's Batman, he's very dark and menacing most of the time. Unfortunately, Sisto is only shown as Batman, and we never actually get to see him play Bruce, other than in the background of the Las Vegas casino scene in which he has no voice lines at all. Unfortunately, this breakdown favors Kevin Conroy more, not because not only because I'm biased towards him as my favorite Batman voice, but because he's been doing it longer. I still say Sisto sucked as an overall Batman voice for Justice League The New Frontier, and it being a period, but for it being a period piece, he was okay. Conroy still rocks the bat. You guys mentioned uh, either in episode 31 or 32, why couldn't Christian Bale be the voice of Batman in Gotham Knight animated movie? While I love Bale as the new live-action Batman, animated Batman slash Bruce Wayne will always be Kevin Conroy. He has that switching voice thing that I love so much, and is just overall better than anything or anyone else. I just watched New Frontier again, and I noticed that Phil Morris is Faraday's voice, and I was like, wait, isn't that Vandal Savage from Justice League? And sure enough, he did do that voice as well. Anyway, that's it for my ramblings. Keep up the excellent work. And again, hope you get better, Mike. <laughs> you know what I will say is that, um, you know, I, I think I might have said I had no gripes with Gotham or with The Dark Knight. And I do actually have one now that I want to, now that I think about it. And that's a Christian Bale's Batman voice. It's a little too put on. I don't know if you noticed that, but it started to really get on my nerves by like the last yeah, like half of the film. It's, mm-hmm. it's like he was chewing gravel, and I was just like, I understand what he's doing. You know, he is putting on the voice because he can't let anybody even recognize his voice. They can't even get a recording of it to and then try to figure out who it is, you know? So he's got to do that, but it, it was a little too forced, and so I wasn't digging that. That that sort of pulled me out just a little. Just, but if that's the only thing I complain about is someone's voice, then that tells you there was nothing else to complain about. So I'm, I am sort of glad they didn't use it for the cartoon, too. And next one's from Dave, who writes, Hello, I've been listening for some months now. Uh, have you seen the new Gotham Knight DVD? My <laughs> only gripe with the DVD was the animation, uh, and the sound didn't always fit Batman's character. Kevin Conroy's voice was too mature for the uh, some of the animation where Bruce Wayne looks like a teenager. I did like the first story where he tried to recreate Legends of the Dark Knight from Gotham Knights. 
I also saw on the DVD the episode from uh, WFP episode 32, Over the Edge. Personally, I think Nightwing should be dead after being yes. shot at close range by a turret. Yeah. Also, you don't know how much time elapsed from Bruce and Tim going into the cave and seeing them in their costumes. By the way, do you know where I can catch uh, or watch Gotham Knights and Superman the Animated Series online so I can keep up with the show? Um, um, there are websites, but um, I don't know any off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. And we, even if we did, we probably shouldn't be saying anything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just there are some out there, um, but yeah, can't say too yep. much. We have to accuse ourselves here. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting back to what he was saying about the whole, we don't know how much time has passed between them running into the cave and the police getting in. I still mm-hmm. take issue with it. And here's why, because if they were trying to escape, they wouldn't have taken the time to put on their costumes. You know what I'm saying? If, if the police already know who you are, that you are Bruce Wayne and that you are, um, I just forgot his name. Uh, Tim Drake, Jesus Christ. I can't believe I forgot his name, you know, and, and they're <laughs> coming after you because they know that you're Batman and Robin you're just going to run away in your in whatever clothes you were wearing, even if it's just boxer shorts. You're not going to say, I know they're busting into the mansion. I know they're going to find their way into the cave, but let's put on our tight spandex first, okay? Then we'll get going. It's just, it, it's it, it's not going to happen. That, that That's something I take a lot of issue with. At most, they should have just grabbed the utility belts and ran. That I would have accepted. I would have totally accepted seeing the utility belts in their hands. Okay, next one is from Aaron, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I wanted to send another email uh, before your last cast, uh, podcast aired, but I never got around to it. This is about the Superman the Animated Series episode Little Girl Lost, featuring that travesty that they tried to put off as Supergirl. Would it have killed them to use Kara Zor-El, his actual cousin, instead of Kara and Zay? I mean, talk about butchering the comic continuity. The closest they could come was a sister planet and not Argo City. Give me a break. What do you guys think? I know one of you didn't care for it, but would it have been better if it was the quote-unquote real Supergirl? James, what are your thoughts? Yes. Um, well, see, I like the episode, so... Um, yeah, but liking it liking it or not, do you think that they should have used Kara Zor-El or wh- whatever, you know, as opposed to using someone else? Um, well, see, I don't know all that much about the Supergirl in the comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read... I read the Superman-Batman uh, arc that was uh, drawn by Michael Turner. Yeah. And that's really the extent of my knowledge on Supergirl mm-hmm. was that that continuity right there. Yeah, see, here's what, and it was I liked it, but I mean, yeah. See, here's where I'm torn on the whole Superman family thing. As much as I like Connell, the clone Superboy, as much as I like reading the Silver Age Superboy stories when Clark was in Smallville, as much as I like reading the Silver Age Supergirl stories. You know, they're just wholesome tales, and you don't take them seriously. You know, you just you just read them, and it's like, that's nice. And it's from a different era. It's not dark or anything like that. It's a little silly from time to time. Even though I like those stories, I do feel that Superman should be the only Kryptonian. By him not being the only Kryptonian on Earth, it takes away something, and something big from his character. He's supposed to be the lone survivor. But it turns out, no, there was someone on a sister planet, or another rocket was sent, or this person was in the Phantom Zone, or this person was on Holiday, or this person was time-traveling, or this person was on Brainiac's rocket, 
or whatever lame excuse they can come up with to create a new Kryptonian who will generally turn out to be a villain or someone who's misunderstood for Superman to fight. So I'm that all that said, I'm almost of the opinion that there shouldn't be any Kryptonians besides Superman in modern day comics. That includes Supergirl. Superboy, the Connell Superboy, I can kind of I can kind of get around that, um, mainly because he was a clone. That's a little different. He wasn't spirited away from the planet, you know? Um, he was created after Superman quote unquote died, when Doomsday quote unquote killed him. Um so so that that's a whole different thing. But the other ones, yeah, I'm, I'm not keen on on them. But if there is going to be one in continuity, be it in the comics or in the cartoon, it would be nice if it was Superman's cousin. But at the same time, that's a little too coincidental. Like, oh, Clark, you were saved. And, oh, you were saved, too. And we're related. Our our fathers were brothers. Ha, 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 Isn't that funny? It, it doesn't work that way. On a planet full of billions of people, you're telling me two relatives happen to survive? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> years apart. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. Years apart. So... I'm obviously torn. Yeah. Aaron sent a follow-up saying, uh, hello my, again, Mike and James, not John. Mm-hmm. In WFB 28 or 29, you dis, one of you dissed the Superman Returns movie. Could you explain why? I kind of liked it. It was a nice palate cleanser after those atrocities they called Superman 3 and 4. Granted, the little thing about Lois having Superman's son threw me for a loop, but someone reminded me that Cal had become human for a bit in Superman 2. Were there any other things that bugged you about it? <laughs> I'll, I'll let you take this one, Mike, because I have not seen that movie. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry. Oh, I had to get that laughing out of my system. Okay, here we go. Um, this is another one that I responded to through email. So I'm just going to read the email. Okay. Okay. If you want to hear what I have to say about Superman Returns, give Earth 2 at the show 39 a listen. However, for the condensed version, one, they made Superman a deadbeat father. Once he learned he had a child, he should have taken responsibility for him. Instead, he flew away into the night, hardly saying a word to Lois. Two, they made Superman a stalker. He literally hid in the bushes to watch Lois and her family. Three, they made Superman emo. Superman left the planet for five years and attempted to return as if nothing had changed. When it did, when everything had changed around him, he sulked like a child who hasn't gotten his way. Four, the last 20-ish minutes of the movie were just way too much. The death and resurrection just weren't needed at all. Five, I'm sick of Luthor in Superman films. He's been in all of them except three, and the character that was in three, I think his name was Ross Webster, was pretty much Luthor-like. Remember, that was the one with Richard Pryor? Yes. Okay, six, the overall story was terrible. Seven, uh, let's see, if this is meant to show, or excuse me, if this is meant to follow Superman 2, why did Lois look much younger than the last time we saw her? Superman, I can see looking younger. In episode 39 of Earth Student at the show, I explained that he could have passed by a star that recharged him, thus giving Superman and Clark a younger, slightly altered appearance. But Lois looks like a teenager. She literally looks 15 years younger than the last time we saw her. Eight, Margot Kidder played the perfect Lois Lane, a pushy, headstrong career woman with a caring side. Kate Bosworth had none of that. I don't know who she was playing, but it wasn't Lois Lane. And I finished the email by saying, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Give episode 39 a listen if you really want to hear my ranting. This is so sad. I can't take it anymore. Who there? Where are them voice from? The greatest hero in the universe. Reduced to saving rocks and playing house. 
If I stay quiet one more second, I need a colossal barf bag. Ha! You funny little big head man. Mr. Mixer Spitlick at your service. Mr. Mizzy Blizzy? Eh, don't bother. You'll give yourself a hernia. Just think of me as your guardian angel. You see, Rocky, I've had my eye on you for a while. And, brother, did you get a raw deal from that lunkhead Superman? But Superman and friend, he give me planet to protect. Wrongo! Superman played you for a chump, chum. First up today is Little Big Head Man from Superman the Animated Series. Uh, this episode is the return of Mr. Mixie's Pitlick. And what he does here is we first are shown Bizarro, and he's on his own little planet happily protecting it as best he can when uh, Mixie appears and taunts him for being so darn pathetic. And uh, basically his plan is to uh, circumvent his vow to leave Superman alone by using a third party in Bizarro, riling him up, and having him rip apart shit on Earth. And he enrages Bizarro by showing him this fake video of Superman, Lois, and the whole gang just making fun of Bizarro. So Mixie sends Bizarro to Earth, and when he starts, you know, he starts rampaging around, and Superman has to deal with him and stop Mixie. But Mixie has his own problems because the Tribunal has found out about his mischief, and punishes him by stripping him of his powers and making him spend 90 days on Earth to do at least one good deed. And really, that's about it. Superman has to, you know, stop Bizarro and show him that he's been lied to, and uh, then Mixie has to get a taste of his own medicine. Yep. That's about it. Yep. Thoughts? Yep. Um, they really, really shouldn't have made this episode. Um yeah. They went back to the Mixie and Bizarro well one too many times. Because um, this one just doesn't add anything to either character to, to... It's just a filler episode, if you want the truth. You know, I have a lot of those today on our WFP episode today, unfortunately. Yeah, we do. I, I think pretty much the pitch se- session was was like, hey, what characters can we team up? Uh, Livewire and Parasite. No, we've done that. Um, Mixie and Bizarro. Yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, and then that's like all the thought that was really behind it. Because this episode, it's like two episodes that they kind of cram together. Because they really could have made these two different episodes. They could have made it a rather compelling Bizarro episode. Where somehow, maybe something triggers in his brain. He actually realizes that Superman did sort of dupe him. You know, he might have given him his own planet, but he still was tricked to a certain degree. And he's like, wait a minute, this is wrong. And he somehow finds a way back to Earth to tell Superman in his own special bizarre way, you screwed me over. So that could have been its own episode. And then we could have had this whole other episode with Mixie, where he comes to Earth, he starts screwing around, he breaks his vow. The tribunal says, hey, you broke your vow. You have to spend 90 days as a mortal. And then the rest of the episode could have been Superman, Clark, having to babysit Mixie. That would have been a really funny episode, or had the potential to be a great episode. But instead, they took both of them and mushed them together into this mess that uh, was extremely weak. 
And it, it was it was sort of like watching a. Okay, I, I know I rag on The Simpsons a lot, you know, the the more modern episodes. But you know when you watch like an episode of The Simpsons, like the first five, six, seven minutes, the first act, hello, is has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. That's what I sort of felt like this was. It was like part A has nothing to do with part B, and somehow they thought they were getting part C out of it, and it just didn't work that way. At least that's the way I saw it. If you need to know what I think about this episode, really just have to listen to the commentary track for Mixie's Pixelated, because the writers and everybody there talk about about this episode more, I think, than they do about that episode, because they say, man, this yeah. episode never should have been made. That, that and, is right. Uh, they do do that, don't they? I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, even they say it looked great on paper, but in actuality, not so much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in the very beginning of this episode, I thought it was a hilarious opening to this episode with Bizarro saving the tree stump and then everything else getting destroyed. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, and then he just throws the tree stump away, so that gets destroyed, too. Um, it's it's, it's good little a good little Bizarro moment. That's just that's what he's good for. He's good for. Uh, goofy comedy uh, when, uh, when it's not just over and over and over and over again. Though I um, see what you're saying, I kind of felt it was a bit too silly. I mean, I think they could have done it without it being as silly as it was. If that makes sense. I'm not sure it does, but that's the way I feel. I don't know. I feel like that that, that just really screamed Bizarro to me okay. in, in his more harmless form. Yeah. Not, not in his Justice League form where he's all over the place <laughs> beating, destroying things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but did you notice that when he, when Bizarro first confronted Superman, he was crying? No. I thought what? that was a nice little touch where because you can tell that he's really hurt. He, yeah. When he first confronts uh, Superman in his costume, not when, he throws Clark out of the yeah out of the window. But when he first confronts Superman, he's he he's like and he's grabbing onto him. He's actually crying, tears and everything, or just his voice. No tears. You can just look closely. He's uh, there. Are tears coming down his cheeks. Oh man, I'm gonna have to nice, nice little touch. I'm gonna have to throw this one back in when I'm getting the uh, the quotes later on that I'll use in this episode. I'm definitely gonna mm-hmm. pay attention for that because I did not notice that. Hmm. Because, you know what, it, it makes sense, though, because Bizarro is an emotional character. You know, we, yes. we've spoken about this before. He's he's totally like misunderstood. Exactly. That's what he is. He's a child that, frankly, you know, is is a little retarded. You know, that's what he is. And he's he, he doesn't know his own strength. He doesn't quite understand everything that's going on around him. But he understands what it means to be tricked and what it means to be hurt by being tricked. And you mm-hmm. feel really bad for him because to to date, Bizarro just has not done anything that we would really call malicious. He's he's done it because he was confused or pissed off and rightfully pissed off, though. Not yes. in that, you know, I'm, I'm mad because Lois didn't date me, so I'm going to destroy the city type of thing. You know, he's really mad in that, Superman, you're supposed to be my brother. What did you do to me? That sort of mad. Yeah. Because hmm. he, he thinks he's a superhero, too. Yeah, that's what makes it worse. You know? Yeah. Because in his own little way, he is. He's really not a villain yet. No, yeah. he's not. Not yet. Not until he's manipulated again. Yeah, as always. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, other than that, yeah. I don't 
there's not a damn thing I like about this episode <laughs> other other than Action Comics number 80 showing up as evidence in the trial against Mixie. Yeah, that was funny. I was like, I didn't see what issue number it was, but I'm like, I know that's a real cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, in, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Like I was going to say, but in that same scene, it really showcased uh, Gaspet Lesnez's voice actor having absolutely uh, just one tone of voice the entire episode. Yeah. Monotone. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that? No a- inflection in her voice whatsoever. <laughs> was that a different voice actress, though? She didn't sound the same to me. I mean, she still had that same monotone. Hey, Mixie, do you want to do... She almost has that Ben Stein voice, but feminine, you know, Bueller, that kind of thing. But it it still felt a little different from the last time we saw her. It might be. I can't remember who did her voice. Yeah, I couldn't be bothered to look it up, but it was one of those things where I was like, I'll ask James, he'll know. (laughs) Damn me. (laughs) Now, I was a little confused by something, though. And we'll get some of this in the next Superman episode we'll review, too, which is an absolute power, I think. Mm-hmm. Since when do Superman and Bizarro and Kryptonians need air in space? I thought they were okay up there without their suits, because Bizarro goes into space, and he grabs his throat, and he's like, and he starts gagging. Um, I mean, I know Superman does wear that space suit, but I always thought... I think we, I think, uh, several episodes of WFP ago, uh, I, I mentioned that he can hold his breath for long periods of time, but I don't necessarily think he didn't need oxygen. Okay. And now that's, that I'm thinking that's about my that. thought, really. That's the only thing I can think of there. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, one of the first Superman comics I ever bought, no, I shouldn't say one of the first Superman comics I ever bought, one of the first times that I bought several issues of Superman in a row because it was a storyline was when Superman exiled himself from Earth. I do not remember why he did it. Um, but it went through Superman, action, maybe adventure too. And uh, yeah, he exiled himself from Earth and he's standing on an asteroid, and I think on the uh, opening page, and he's got like a utility belt on and from that he's got a little tube and that tube connects to an oxygen mask on his face so you can gather that the belt has some form of oxygen in it so I guess even in the comics they do acknowledge that if he's going to go on a long term uh, trip through space he does need oxygen but regardless it was sort of bothered by how fast it affected Bizarro and you know some of the other characters again that we're going to see later on in this episode of World's Finest Bizarro I can almost excuse because he was enraged and he might have been hyperventilating and then all then all of a sudden hey can't breathe yeah okay i could buy that and if i really wanted to play devil's advocate i could also justify it by saying he's bizarro so maybe he thinks he needs air in space when he really doesn't you know maybe true. maybe he he knows that if a human goes into space they're going to die so he's thinking if me do same thing me choke sort of thing and so he he's just acting it, not realizing that he could actually hold his breath for a little bit. So okay, okay, I'll, I'll oh, let no. that go. But, oh no, Jennifer Hale did the voice of Gisby in this episode. That sucks because she's such a great voice actress. She does the voice of so many characters in in the DCAU. It's insane, she, and the, not the least of which is Zatanna in Justice League Unlimited. Oh wow, no, no, <laughs> she did such a bad job here. <laughs> I guess you have to have one bad episode. Yeah. So she wasn't the first Gisby. 
I don't think no, I don't think she did the voice of Gisby in this first one. Okay, because like I said, it was it was so different. I mean, there were both times they were monotone, you know, because she was monotone last time too, wasn't she? Yeah, but it didn't seem. It seemed like she had more inflection in Mixie's pixelated. The only other thing I really have to say in terms of ranting here is I love how Superman just opens up Sawyer's belt and takes a grenade out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't mind if I do. <laughs> and, and how did he know it was a gas grenade? I mean, what if it was a fragmentation <laughs> grenade and it exploded? And then Bizarro goes nuts again and starts tearing shit up and then isn't able to be stopped, and then Maggie gets killed because she's so close to it. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, never mind the shrapnel that goes through Maggie's face and neck, you know? Cause yeah. I think she had her mask up at that point. Um, not that that suit really would have protected her if a grenade did go off that close. But yeah, that, that was a little convenient, like... I know where you keep grenades in your utility belt, and I know what kind of grenade it is. It's like, really? You can tell that? You're that? You have that sort of power? You have super grenade detecting powers? <laughs> I don't know. But I, I felt the animation on this one was really weak. Did you pick up on that? Um, it was just average to me. So, I didn't notice anything overly horrible, but it certainly wasn't good. See, I liked the stuff with the tribunal, seeing the other. Uh, uh, characters in the fifth dimension with Gisby coming out in her suit and then getting turned into a palm tree, I thought was funny. Um, that was good, but I don't know, biz- the, the Bizarro and Superman fights and Bizarro on his own planet, it all just seemed a bit off. And not off because they were doing Bizarro, so they thought they could get away with it. Like, off in that the animation studio got a little lazy. I don't Very know. possibly. Yeah. And this one... And we're going to see it in a couple of episodes throughout this episode of WFP. But uh, this one had some bad jokes and just bad lines where uh, Superman's trying to convince Bizarro that Mixie is tricking him. And he tells Bizarro, him lie like rug. Like, like, oh, like that dialogue comes off like the kind of dialogue you would hear in a Western from like the 50s. And they've got yeah. some like uh, Apache character talking. I was to some just cowboy, thinking the same thing. <laughs> you know, him no good. Him light like rug. Like, oh no, oh, that's no. bad. Uh, Life am good. That's what I was just about to say. And then the clo- it's the closing line. Or wait, the closing or the last uh, Super- yeah, Superman. Very last line. line. Yeah, Life am good. Line. Like, oh, brutal. It's like Superman. This guy's supposed to be your brother. He's sort of you, and you're treating him like you're making fun of him. That's not funny. Stop it. Enoch Brown, I'm handing down an injunction ordering you to cease and desist these monstrous experiments. You are to remove any living specimens to safe captivity outside Gotham City. Judge, I put millions into this. I can't continue my experiments. I'm down the drain, washed up, snookered, and sunk. You should have thought of that when you started creating these monsters. Adjourned. Oh, Daddy. Monsters, huh? I'll show them monsters. Next up is the Gotham Knights episode... Called Critters in this one. Um, there is a agricultural uh, expo in Gotham City. And there's a farmer called Farmer Brown and his daughter. And they're showing the citizens of Gotham uh, the future of, of farming. And uh, 
all that because people who live in the city of Gotham really give a shit about farming, of course. But anyways, um, I digress. Um, and what he unveils is a genetically modified, what was that thing? It wasn't a pig, but it wasn't a cow either. What was that thing? Was it a cow? I thought it was a cow. That's really all I could, I'm going to venture, I guess, on that one for. I can't remember if it had udders or not, but okay, okay, we'll call it a cow. It shows him this cow and it goes on a rampage. Um, it's sort of, it's not that different from King Kong. You know, it's in a cage, flashbulbs scare it, it breaks out, rampage, the end. Um, well, because of this, Farmer Brown and his daughter, their, their genetic experiments, uh, are, are, uh, put on hold, uh, a judge uh, orders an injunction against them saying, you can't do these anymore. So Farmer Brown swears vengeance on Gotham City for stopping his genetic, oh my God, for stopping his Frankenstein um, experiments on animals. So what does he do? He turns it up. He's like, they want to see monsters. I'll give them monsters. So he starts he starts creating like 50 foot tall cows and giant boars out of pigs and these vulture chicken things. And he, he tells them, Oh, and don't forget the praying mantises. And he's all, he's like, go attack Gotham city y'all. And I'm sorry guys for the really bad redneckish accent I'm putting on, but that's how bad the voice acting in my opinion was here. Anyways, um, it was a really bad stereotype. So I'm making fun of them, of their use of the stereotype. I'm not making fun of the people that actually sound like that. That might have actually come out worse than I wanted it to. But oh well. Um, <laughs> you all know what I meant. Oh, see, now I said y'all as if that was... that. Was, I thought I was the one from the Deep South here. Okay, let me explain <laughs> something. Let me, let me stop just real quick. My dad's family is from the Carolinas. So there are certain phrases that have made their way into my um vernacular and y'all is one of them so i i really didn't y'all wasn't <laughs> me carrying on the whole stereotype thing that was just me speaking as myself well anyways so uh farmer brown sends these animals into the city and they're just wreaking havoc um they're they're trashing the city they're destroying the gotham police uh blimps and uh batman batgirl and robin find out who could possibly be doing such a thing. What a surprise! It's Farmer Brown. So they go to uh, stop Farmer Brown because... Uh, oh, I forgot. He actually takes it up a notch where he says, I'm going to send more animals into the city unless you give me something like $50 million. So they give him... Well, they sort of give him some money. It ends up being a trick. And that's when Batman and his uh, little crew go to bust up Farmer Brown, who's... Uh, ultimate plan really was to launch a rocket into the middle of Gotham that had giant praying mantises on top of it. Oh my God. So Batman blows up the rocket, killing the mantises. And then at the end of the day, Farmer Brown and his genetically enhanced daughter are taken away to jail. Yeah. John, you, you trying to explain the plot of this episode reminded me of a line from our last, uh, from the Superman episode. We just reviewed mm -hmm. where Mixie is saying, ah, don't bother you. Give yourself a hernia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> well here it is the most maybe the most infamous episode of the entire gotham knights season mm -hmm. um wow uh, <laughs> i think it, it it occurs to me that i really need to watch more good movies instead of the stuff i watch all the time because it's gotten me into a really disturbing habit i always have more notes for the shitty episodes <laughs> than i do the good to great ones oh yes. god almighty this episode is just putrid. Now, I want to say something. I, I want to say something before we say anything else. 
my score for this episode is obviously low. Okay, this is not a good episode. But you know what? No, I'm going to save that for later when we actually do do the score. So just re- I'm, I'm teasing it is what I'm doing. So I'm sorry. Continue with what you were going to say, James. Um, I don't get and on the onset. I don't get how this Farmer Brown guy was allowed to perform these experiments in the first place. Yeah. Organizations like PETA would have crucified him mm-hmm. before he even had a chance to start them. Mm-hmm. And not that I that I really like support PETA because I think most of them are like psychos at this point. <laughs> but still, really now, no, wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone would have found out what he was doing if he was so proud of his experiments. If he was going to put them on display, you know, he was contacting the proper authorities, getting funding doing, following everything by the book. It's only after they said you can't do this anymore that he went insane and decided he was going to seek revenge on Gotham City. Um, <laughs> up to that point, you really can't assume that he wasn't keeping anything a secret. So, yes, people would have been all over him. Think about it. You clone a dog or a cat in our world, the real world, and people go nutty. You can't do that. That's unethical. So if you're creating giant fucking bovines and crazy looking chickens, yeah, they're going to have a problem. <laughs> yeah, that farmer brown guy is just twisted as all hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, <laughs> I, where the hell did he get all the money to build this ridiculous empire of agricultural hell spawns? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was the whole thing about where he was like, "That'll this will ruin me, Judge." Yeah. Well, uh, and he. It, it, and a year later, oh well, he has all the money to build this army or this armada of disgusting creatures. Yeah, never mind the secret lair on the island with the the, yeah. the thing that looks like a farm but quite isn't, and maybe in a skyscraper. And there's a giant rocket. It's like, uh, dude, you are so not ruined. If you're broke, it's because you're a dumbass and you spent it on all this fucking shit, you dork. <laughs> you know, like that's a what. <laughs> Wouldn't the Coast Guard or someone else notice a giant building on an island not more than two miles off the shore? And wouldn't they want to know who owns it yeah. and why it's there? Yeah, yeah. You'd think. You'd think. <laughs> you Because they showed in the camera pans, you can see it from the shore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. Those, but, um... I love those chicken things, uh, whatever the chicken vulture pterodactyl yeah. creature things were just, those were hideous. That and, I thought was a really good design. If you want the truth, yeah. if I'm going to say anything nice about this episode, it's those are creepy. They've got this, what do they got on them? Like giant pimples or boils or something. Yeah. They're boils. The, the commentator or the, you know, the writers were talking about how they were just covered in boils. That's right. Yeah. And the commentary trick. Yeah. Their, their, their beaks, their, their, their beaks are like serrated. Um, like a knife. Um, they're just these big black menacing birds and they are quite frightening. I honestly wouldn't let a kid. Okay. I wouldn't let anybody watch this episode. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is if this was a good episode, I wouldn't let a kid watch it because it is kind of scary, you know, unless I was like a hardcore vegetarian and I was trying to scare my kid off of meat. Then I'd be like, here, watch this one. <laughs> then, like, <laughs> then you could be like, Don't, see, animals are going to get you when you eat their siblings. Oh, no, mommy, I won't eat my cheeseburgers anymore. You know, because <laughs> I may be a vegetarian, but I'm not all militant about it. You know, I'm like, whatever. I don't care. You want a cheeseburger? Go for it. I don't care. <laughs> I love how Batman became a petty Metropolis bank robber. Uh, 
remember you remember when he was uh, spraying the praying mantises with that uh, with the pesticide or what the insecticide? Uh huh. And it and it ran out. He just threw it at them. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like oh, the projectile is useless. <laughs> Let's throw the uh, the holster or the holder at it. Yeah. <laughs> now, now hang on. Now speaking of that scene, okay. That scene is fucked up because he he tricks the one mantis into like stabbing the truck with its with its piercy arms, you know, and then it's trying to get out and it can't. Its arms rip off, and then it falls over and the head just pops off. Now we know why the head popped off because Farmer Brown had put some sort of self destruct sequence in these creatures, but at the same time it's like its head just falls off. Again, this is and not what the let a kid watch. Yeah, yeah, then Batman just picks it up, and he's just holding it like, hmm, look at this, a praying mantis head. I've never seen one of these before. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I've never seen one this big before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about this. The animation in this episode is fine when it yeah. focuses on those hideous creatures, but any other time, it's an eyesore. Yeah. An utter eyesore. Uh, and uh, But speaking of the, uh, the giant vulture mutant chicken pterodactyl things... Mm-hmm. Batman and when he, Batman's being chased by them, and he crashes through the window of that barbecue sauce factory. Yeah. I love how he crashes through it. Then the pterodactyl thing crashes through it, and nobody in the ground in the factory seems to notice it. They're just still just pushing their carts around. <laughs> I didn't notice that, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's only after it's only after Batman and the thing crash into that vat of barbecue sauce that the that they're like, oh my god. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pick up on that. But, uh, you know, okay, while we're talking about the barbecue sauce scene... Okay, here it okay, comes. Okay, <laughs> earlier I was talking about how the Bizarro episode had some really bad lines, and I said that there were other episodes that had lines that were worse. This one, this one is some of the worst lines I've ever heard in the DCAU. I mean, what do we get? I'm trying to find my notes here. Um, holy cow. We actually, you know, Robin says, holy cow. We actually see a bull invade a China shop. Uh, Robin says that's a lot of bull, and then there's the barbecue sauce thing. <laughs> this episode was just an excuse to cram as many bad jokes into an episode as they, they humanly possible. Right. And he he takes down a chicken, a mutant chicken, with a vat of barbecue sauce. Oh. And if you listen to the commentary track, they say originally it was supposed to be a uh, like cooking oil that was heated for whatever reason, so the chicken would have fried when it got cooked when it got hit. But the the sensors... Oh, is this a, a Foghorn Leghorn episode? Yeah, you'd think. So the sensors made them change it, and they changed it to barbecue sauce, which, as they say on the commentary track, is worse because it looks like blood. Barbecue sauce is red, or, you know, you know reddish-brown. So it looks like the, the... Okay, we know it's barbecue sauce, but it looks like it's covered in its own blood instead of just being f- fried on the ground. Which one's worse, guys? The blood or the frying? You know... Uh, and I say that to the to the censors, not the creators of this. And, and speaking of the creators, okay, this is a story by Steve Gerber, the guy who like co-created Howard the Duck, and Joe R. Lansdale, the guy who did the 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 the, the ventriloquist episode. Right? Yeah. Is it this? It's Lansdale who did this one, right? Yep. Yeah. It's like when you put those two elements together, you should come up with like a rock solid episode of Batman, not. Critters, not this. Oh, wait. And I have to—I have to admit something, though. I have to admit, <clears throat> this is the first time I've ever seen this episode. Really? I've actually been. Maybe I have a guardian angel. I don't know, but somehow I've avoided this episode throughout the years, and well, I don't you, know how I did that. 
I don't know how I did that because when I bought these sets, the Superman sets, the Batman sets, all of them, I would sit down and I would watch them straight through. And then if they had a commentary track, I would watch those episodes. So you'd think I would have seen this episode at least twice before this viewing because I would have watched it once when I got it and then once again with the commentary track. But I remember like one or two moments that, you know, I, I think I probably just saw in passing, like if it was on TV, like in syndication or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do not remember a lot of the stuff in this. So either I completely blocked it out, completely just my mind said, you know what? You don't need the memory of this. You don't need to suffer. Boom, and erased it. Or I just somehow didn't see this one. I don't know. I don't uh, know. I'm amazed. I really am. <laughs> but but you're all the luckier for it. Oh, man. Well, I, I've had to sit through it at least once now. So Yeah, I've seen this episode God knows how many times. Maybe <laughs> seven or eight. I don't know. <laughs> don't know how I'm not brain dead, but... Um, yeah, but the worst, the the whole first half is bad, but then the second half is just infinitely worse because then we get, you know, Ninja Farmer with yeah. uh, with the electrified pitchfork. Yeah. It's like, and he starts kicking Batman's ass. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Ninja farmer farmer so, that vanished quickly without trace. <laughs> yeah, so not only is this guy a geneticist, not only does he know how to build this secret lair that includes a rocket, uh, but at the same time, he has learned some form of martial arts that involves weapon training, and he can kick Batman's ass. Like, really? Okay, I guess so. <laughs> but again, this goes back to the something we've been saying all along. It's something you, I think, was, were the first one to mention it, as a matter of fact, is Batman's... Uh, his martial arts skills, his fighting skills, they fluctuate so greatly. Yeah, You know, there's times where he can throw down with a legit ninja, and then there's other times where he can't handle the 60-year-old Clock King. Like, yeah, really? Okay. I mean, the farmer, you can almost justify by saying maybe he gave himself some sort of a... Maybe he injected himself with the uh, DNA uh, spliced from a uh, cheetah or something, so he had a little extra speed. Uh, Maybe he, too, had a little extra strength. But they never make mention of it. At least with the daughter, they flat out say that she's taking the beef hormone, I think is what she calls it. Yeah, beef steroids. Yeah, but with with the farmer, they never say that. So you kind of have to assume, really, it's just him. That he's not experimenting on himself, which means he's kicking Batman's ass unassisted. Ugh. Yeah, and so- uh, then speaking of... Uh- Whatever her name was, Ellie May or something. So, I think that's what Bullet calls her, but I don't know if that's her real name. But yeah, <laughs> um, when Batgirl appears on the scene and she uh, tries to drop kick her from the uh, water terror, they just they flat out say she's invincible mm. because she just like she jumps from I don't know how many feet up in the air and tries to and just kicks her right in the stomach and she just bounces right off of her. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if if I jump off of a water tower and I drop kick Barry Bonds, he's going to fall down. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's, you know, I don't know. I'm probably going to be injured too, but he's definitely going down. And so is uh, Mary Sue or whatever her name is yeah. here. Yeah. That, I mean, it's ridiculous. She's not invincible. Right. Yeah. She winces a little, like just, just a little bit, but she doesn't even step back. She doesn't nudge. She doesn't get nudged at all. Batgirl just falls over. And then she's like, 
you know, beef steroids. Beef steroids. <laughs> and it's like, okay, whatever. It's like, but, you know, if, if Batgirl would have done that to Superman, he would have fell over. You know, like, okay, like, uh, this makes no sense at all. And and speaking of, I'm sorry, go ahead, what? No, no, go, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of making no sense, is the ending... When Bullock is putting uh, Farmer Brown and his daughter in the uh, in the you know those uh, paddy wagon. the paddy wagon, thank you. Um, he says something about them getting ten to twenty. They just attempted mass murder. They just attempted to send a rocket into Gotham filled with genetically altered praying mantises. Those would have killed thousands of people if given the chance. But, oh, they're only going to get 10 to 20 for attempted mass murder. Okay. I know Bullock isn't the, the smartest cop out there, but I think he knows that they're going to be getting more than 10 to 20. Yeah. And what's and he's really the only thing that makes this episode even slightly bearable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he does have a pretty good line about, so you survive the Joker and the rest of those freaks only to buy it from Jed Clampett and a bunch of bugs. That was a great line. That is that is probably the best line of this episode, honestly. Because it's, it's one of those things that, that's something that the readers, not the readers, the viewers are thinking. Like, wait, Batman can take on the Joker and Two-Face, but not this guy and his animals, really? But then when Bullock says it, it's like, oh, ha, 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 he's thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Everything else about this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and, you know, going back to before before this, the, the last scene even starts here, Farmer Brown guy knows what a bat tracer is? Well, it is it is sort of shaped like a bat, to be honest. I got it. Is, it nah, you know. I don't even know how he found the damn thing. It, was, it wasn't even in view. He just kind of looks at the stack of money and starts flipping through it, and then, oh, hey, it just falls out, or he picks it out. I don't know. It's yeah, just what, stupid. what he did was he was flipping through the money, one of the stacks, and he was showing his daughter that only the top bill was real, and the rest was just green paper. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he kind of, you know that band that goes around money? He yeah. kind of touched that, and I think he slid the tracer out. So... I think he was smart enough to know that the police were going to try some sort of tracking, um, some sort of tracing system. Um, And he was looking for probably a police tracing device, and he found Batman's instead. So I I can sort of justify it, and I hate the fact that I can, if you want the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. The commentary for this episode is about 80,000 times better than the episode itself. Yes, it is. The commentary track makes this episode bearable. Hell, it makes yeah. this episode good. If you want the truth, you can laugh your ass off at uh, some They're of the making fun of themselves. Say. Yeah, but at the same time, they make some comments that are just asinine. They're like they start claiming that some of the humor is subtle and that people don't get it. I'm like, there's nothing subtle about this episode. A bowl in a china shop, right there. Yeah, yeah that's not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just blatant. Oh, that's just blatantly unfunny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, one of the things I was going to say before in terms of uh, just things not making sense, why is Mayor Hill, Jim Gordon, and Bruce Wayne, all three of them, at an agricultural expo? <laughs> I could maybe see the mayor being there. 
I could maybe see someone from Wayne Enterprises being there, but not Bruce Wayne himself, and not the you know the the, the commissioner of the freaking police department. Doesn't he have something more important to be working on? You'd think, but hey, he can take time to go see Farmer Brown and his genetically modified animals, like, like, and his genetically Jim, modified daughter. Yeah, exactly. It's like Jim, go do something else. You know, go catch the Joker and Two Face. There's no slow day in Gotham City. Go look for them, not this guy. This guy, just leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that said, I, I did like that uh, Bruce's excuse for being able to stop. The, uh, the cow or whatever it was, mm-hmm. where Gordon's like, uh, hey, that was good thinking with the curtain. And Bruce is like, I was just trying to escape through the window. Like, okay, <laughs> that, that was a little funny, too. That sure reminded me of a part of The Dark Knight. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm not saying anything either. It's just yeah. saying it reminded me of a certain part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh and, then, and then hang on, hang on. The big kick in the nuts with this episode. Okay, is the is the ending? They give it a sort of the end sort of ending, where you know Farmer Brown and his genetically modified daughter have been taken off to jail, and never mind that if she's so strong she could have just broken out of those cuffs. Yeah, uh, explain that, that one, please. Right. But yeah, they're they're being taken off to jail, and then they pan over the harbor, and you see Farmer Brown's island, and you hear one of his roosters cockadoodle doing like, oh no, they might be back. Bum, bum, bum. Like, they had the balls to end this one on, with that kind of ending? No! You know, <laughs> what should have happened is as the paddy wagon was rolling away, it just blew up, you know? <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I would have given this episode another point if that had happened. And then, nonsensically, the island just blew up, too. You know? Like, <laughs> we're sorry. It's, it, it's a big apology from them, just saying... Okay, there, we're sorry, they're never coming back. You know, but (laughs) something they do say in the commentary track would have made sense. Farmer Brown could have come back as part of Cadmus. That's true, instead of uh, Dr. Milo. Anybody, I mean, he, they really, they had the perfect opportunity. I'm I'm glad they didn't bring him back, but I'm just saying they could have. You know, we could have seen him working with uh, Task Force S, I can never say it, Task Force X, um, I don't know, I don't know what he would have been doing with them, but he could have been there. He could have been in one of the boardrooms at Cadmus, just somewhere, you know. But yeah, it's it's, I mean, it's it's fine that they didn't. It's really fine that they didn't, really, because you know that's what Doctor Milo uh, was doing in Cadmus. He was genetic doing genetic experiments. So yeah, you could just throw Farmer Brown in there instead, mm-hmm. or whatever. <clears throat> oh, and when Batgirl's in the shadows. Why do her eyes glow? Good question. Because, like, Robin and Batman, they at least have the white lenses. And you could say, oh, light's reflecting off of it or whatever. But Batgirl doesn't have those. But several times throughout this episode, she's in the shadows and she's got the glowing white. And I'm like, what is doing that? (laughs) That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Speaking of that, how is she in shadows when she's in this building with nothing but light shining everywhere? Batman, too, when he climbs up... When Batman climbs up on the truck to start the fight with Farmer Brown, he's, like, all in his, you know, Batman shadow, like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and then, like, where is that coming from? Like, how how is that happening? No, he is is out in the open. Nothing is causing that. Stop it. <laughs> but in another animation uh, weirdness that I noticed was when the Prey Mantises first descend on Gotham City, mm-hmm. and, you know, they have the Exterminator guy just spraying 
uh, spraying the plants uh, with the insecticide. Mm. When the praying mantis jumps next to him, he just flies backward for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> the mantis doesn't hit him. He just flies backwards. It's hilarious. And I, if you, I know you don't want to go back and watch this, but really, it's so funny. You really need to go back and look at it. It's so funny. He just, he just flies backwards when nothing happened. It was like, ah. <laughs> Again, when I'm getting the quotes, maybe I'll go back to that few seconds and uh, see you know, you know, uh, pay attention to that because I, I definitely did not notice that one. So the last few things I want to say are, uh, well, again, it's it's me bitching about things. Um, that is, <laughs> how and why did that rocket blow up? Okay, yes, I know Batman drove the armored car into it, but he drove it into the open door. It's not like he rammed it into the side of the missile, thus breaking it. He just rammed it into the door. But somehow that caused the whole thing to explode. I didn't understand that. Did I miss something? Uh, I don't know. I I didn't see anything that would make it explode either. I don't know. Maybe the armored car was on fire for some unbeknown reason. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, granted, the DCAU is the universe where computers explode if you look at them funny. So maybe yeah. so do engines thus causing the rest of the racket to go. I don't know. It just, because, like I said, because he hit the door, that is what bothered me. If he would have rammed it into the side, thus piercing the racket, I would have bought it. But the door, no. Um, something else that bothered me is when Batgirl makes her entrance onto the scene in Farmer Brown's um, little farm complex thing. I don't know if you noticed this, but she swings from nowhere, mind you. But she swings and she throws, um, does she throw batarangs or something? I don't quite remember what she does. As she's swinging, she literally stops mid-swing to do whatever she's doing. Her yeah, forward I momentum that. stops. She doesn't keep swinging forward. She doesn't swing backwards as she naturally would. She just stops mid-swing. <laughs> like, physics don't work like that. <laughs> Isaac Newton would cry if he ever saw this episode. <laughs> He's rolling in his grave. <laughs> Oh, God, I know exactly what you're talking about, too. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, and it, was it me, or did Batman's voice seem a little off throughout this episode? There were actually some points where I was wondering if it was Conroy or not, or if they just got in someone that actually sounded like him. Sort yeah, of. It, it yeah, it was off a little bit, but it was also off in, back in Mean Seasons, the last episode of that we reviewed in Gotham Knights. So I don't know. It's And that's back-to-back -back episodes where it's, his voice sounded weird. Yeah. Hang on. Let me pull it up real quick. I want to see how closely these two were produced together. Because obviously we're... Oh, no. We're we're doing them in the produced order, not the aired order. Yeah. So, yeah, there yeah, we go. So Duh. Mike forgets how World's Finest Podcast is run. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe... <laughs> Mike am smirt. Critters has driven me mad! Before we arrived, this was a planet in chaos, divided by petty conflicts and factions, not unlike Earth. We have brought to it the order it needed. Is that a fact? Don't take my word for it. See for yourself, Kal-El. Production instead of destruction. Factories where there were once useless forests wetlands. Workers who now cooperate with each other instead of compete. A job for everyone according to his abilities and our needs. 
To ensure a future as orderly as the present, we have built new schools to teach morality, loyalty, and purpose. Needless to say, disciplinary problems are now non-existent. All over this planet, we are tearing down the irrational past in order to make room for an efficient future. In one year, we have put a new face on this world, creating the paradise Krypton would have been under our rule. Now, if only someone down there would smile. I hope you're not thinking of opposing us, Kal-El. We've had a year to develop our powers. I don't think we have to worry about that, Mala. Kal-El knows his place, and this planet is simply out of his jurisdiction. Next up today is the Superman episode, Absolute Power. In this one, Superman is out in space studying a black hole instead of doing his job on Earth protecting it from criminals, yeah. uh, but I digress. And he sees a ship being sucked into uh, the black hole. And he ends up following the vapor trail and eventually arrives on a planet being uh, ruled by Mike's favorite pair of Kryptonian dictators, Jaxor and Mala. No! <laughs> Why? Well... Yeah, uh, Mike, you, you, if you if the last episode drove you insane, it's just going to get worse and worse. Uh, they so anyway, these these two escaped from the Phantom Zone and took over the planet of the people who rescued them from the void of space, and uh, they've essentially have turned it into a socialist dictatorship, not unlike uh, uh, Stalin's Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. um, Jack uh, Jack Sword tells Superman about everything that happened, but you know they don't fight or anything. He's being uh, diplomatic about it and he tells Superman to leave as this planet is doing just fine and he doesn't exactly have jurisdiction there <laughs> but uh, Superman doesn't have jurisdiction anywhere he's not a cop you know he's uh, a freaking alien that does what he wants on whatever planet he wants Jesus Christ much. so but anyway Superman's about to leave one of the resistance members on the planet sneaks uh, sneaks in and uh, shows Superman exactly what Jux or Amala are really up to they're building an armada to go conquer Earth and Superman then has no choice but to face them, even though he feels the consequences to the planet could be catastrophic. Mike, take it away. Okay, now, this is my biggest gripe with the episode, and I have a lot of gripes with this one. So, just I'm just putting this one in perspective, okay? Hmm. Superman is, he's in his little Superman rocket ship, and he's uh, watching this black hole from afar, far enough away to be out of the pull of its gravity, okay, whatever. And as you said, some other ship starts getting pulled into it. And Superman's like, oh, no, i got to save the day. So he flies out of his ship into the black hole's gravity well. So then he can fly the other ship and himself out of the black hole's gravity well. So if Superman is strong enough to pull something out of the grip of a black hole, there is nothing on Earth or in the universe that can ever threaten him again. The next when time... Darkseid punches him, he should break his hand. Exactly. The next time Darkseid punches him, the next, side, the next time Parasite goes after him, Batman throws a punch at him, I don't care who tries to stop Superman. No, nothing. He's not going to feel it. Because the black hole... Ugh. There's no way he's strong enough to do what he did, yet somehow so weak that Darkseid can beat him up. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And I understand Superman's powers are always a little questionable, you know, 
oh, he's toning them down a little so he doesn't hurt Earthlings, or he's developed new powers, or he's a little stronger because of this or because of that. But still, the black hole thing, that's just messed up. There's nothing that's going to pull anything out of the gravity well of a black hole. I don't care if you're in, if we're talking about cartoon physics or not. It's just not going to happen. I just can't accept that. And right there, that being the opening of the episode, that puts this whole episode into question for me. Yeah. None of it should have happened. Every yeah. Superman should be gone, and Earth will be conquered eventually by Apocalypse, and <laughs> Darkseid will reign terror over the universe, and that's the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the end. So. My biggest gripe about this episode is the episode is completely unnecessary. Yeah. We didn't we didn't need an episode just to show that Superman saves people who are in danger. No shit. He's <laughs> Superman. Yeah. What? It's like he he has a like moral ambiguity about saving about saving people from two people whom he knows are not really all that good of yeah. heart. Yeah. And I think what sucks most about this though is that the only other episode where uh, Superman is narrating is the late Mr. Kent. That episode yeah. was a masterpiece. This mm-hmm. one uh, was boring as hell, let alone completely nonsensical. Mm-hmm. That did bother me that they used the narration again for such a cruddy episode. For the late Mr. Kent, it made sense to have that sort of narration. For this one, I honestly do not know why they employed that storytelling technique. It, it didn't need that that kind of looking back overall narrator thing going on. It, yes, I have it, a college degree. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason they had it in there was because he he it was he was saying that look, I learned a lesson. I can't turn my back on people in danger. <laughs> Why did he have to have that lesson in the first place? Exactly. It's Superman. He's like the model of of all that is good. With yeah. humanity and or any other or a Kryptonian uh, people or yeah. whatever. No, I mean, I mean, right. The episode starts with him literally putting himself in an impossible situation, and that's putting himself in the the way of a black hole. So he he does that. He literally puts everything at risk to save this one small ship. But oh no, I can't save an entire freaking planet because we might destroy a lot of stuff in the process. You think? He never bothered you him on Earth. That's what I was going to say. He does it every day on Earth when he fights the Parasite or some other super-powered fucktard. You know? It's like every time he's fighting someone, the globe is falling off the top of the of the planet. You know? A building is getting collapsed. Uh, someone's getting squished. It, it doesn't stop him. But, oh, no, is that an alien planet I've never set foot on before? I don't dare save them from oppression. <laughs> You're a douchebag, Superman. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Did Brian Singer write this? Oh, no. Oh, yes, I said it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that felt good, didn't it? Yes, it did. Oh, this episode was better than the previous Chuck Sormala episode, but that really isn't saying much. Well, why even bring them back? I mean, did did, did, did one of the producers go, hey, whatever happened to Jack Sewer and Mala? <laughs> I bet the fans are wondering. <laughs> Let's bring back these compelling characters who aren't Zod or Ursa. Like, like no, what? no one cared. No one cared. I know. What's so f- so incredibly stupid about that is that is the way they explain how they escaped. Like, these two lunar-sized meteors collided with with each other, and near the black hole, and it tore a rift in space where they just happened to be sitting in the Phantom Zone. 
Mm-hmm. And then they manage to escape right where the lunar rift or the rift in space happens. Wow, that's convenient. Well, hang on. There, there's more coincidences than that. I mean, as you said, there's the dumb luck of how they got out of the Phantom Zone. Okay? Then there's the dumb luck that there just happened to be a ship nearby to save them. Then they're taken to a planet that just happens to have a yellow sun. Like, all that's a little too much for me. Okay, fine, they got out of the Phantom Zone. Okay, someone was right there to save them. But really, that planet had the perfect kind of yellow sun to give them the powers that will allow them to match Superman's strength? Come on. It could have been a blue sun, a white sun, a red sun, but a yellow sun? Ah, no, no, no. Too many coincidences. I know story is built on coincidence. Trust me, I get that. But you can cross a line. You can go too far. And this episode went that far. One other note I have here. when uh, Just when, one? Uh, yeah, <laughs> really, that's about it. Um, the, when uh, the character that Miguel Ferrer voices, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Uh, the, I don't know, the lieutenant guy who yeah. reports to Jacques Armala. Um, did he give them a Nazi salute? Oh, I didn't pick up on that. He, he like, puts his hand sideways on his chest and then just points outward with uh, his hand, like, pointed outward. Not, not like, a fit in a fist or anything, just pointed outward at them. It was a Nazi salute. Wow, no, I, I, he, he might have. I didn't... I really, really cannot believe so. they got away with that. Huh. Well, they really wanted to show how evil they are. Because you know, we didn't understand it from the first time we saw them. We didn't understand it by the fact that they're running a really oppressive planet. We have to make sure people get it by having yeah. him sigile him. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I love it because the name of the planet and the alien race are never told. We don't even know who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they look a hell of a lot like Sinestro. Yeah. I, I and, picked uh, up on that, uh, you know, when like, when we got, to, I mean, obviously we're going to get to the Green Lantern episode in a little bit here. And I was like, man, yeah, they did look like Sinestro. Because you can't say uh, it's the other way around. You can't say Sinestro looks like them because Sinestro's always look like that. And these things are created after him, technically speaking. So maybe this is Sinestro's home world. I don't know. I don't know. Then kind of like um, that woman, Satea, I think was her name. Mm hmm. She kind of looks like, oh, um, uh, God, was that woman who uh, taught Jon Stewart how to use his Green Lantern ring in that episode, Hearts and Minds in Justice League. I can't remember her name. She looks exactly like her. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. It's I can't remember her name. God, I don't really like that episode. <laughs> See, we're getting to the point in the DCAU where there's a lot of stuff I haven't seen. Um, once we're done with Superman and Batman here and we cross over into Batman Beyond and then eventually get into some of the stuff from Justice League, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that I've only seen in passing or I've never seen at all. So it's all going to be new to me. So I don't remember John ever having to learn how to use his ring. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that when that happens. Yeah. yeah. Now, here, here's something else I had a big problem with. Jaxor and Mala, they have a weapon on hand that can stop Superman, correct? Yes, supposedly. Why would they ever build a weapon that is powerful enough to stop a Kryptonian? Re-them. And they just happen to have it sitting around on the planet. Now, I could see it if it was, like, on one of the ships that they were going to be sending to Earth. That makes sense. But it's just sort of sitting there. Oh, we just happen to have this weapon that can stop you, Superman. 
<laughs> Why? Why would they ever build something strong enough to stop themselves and then put it in the hands of, of their soldiers who might want to stage a coup one day? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I can understand uh, Superman, you know, giving Batman a little piece of kryptonite saying, if I ever go rogue, you stop me. You have to do this for me. But when you're a villain, you're not going to do that. But if I ever go good, kill me. <laughs> no, it <that> doesn't happen. <laughs> Though that would be funny. And then uh, there's another uh, great moment of um, c- utter coincidence where the uh, where they're they're like meandering around in the void of space and no and they're trying to each, each character each Kryptonian is trying to get air to survive and then Jacks Jacks Mala's uh, pod gets hit by a sh- by the ship or and it sends them f- just careening into the into the black hole mm-hmm. just just that just amazing little coincidence there huh. Yeah, what I want to know is what happened to all the people who were manning that ship? Yeah. Like, that was a big ship. That was, like, the size of, like, the Enterprise. Like, that was a big fucking thing. And it rips in half and gets sucked into the black hole. What happened to the staff? They didn't all get out. They didn't all jump into escape pods. We didn't see them all shooting out all over the place. We saw two escape pods. We saw the one that the the lieutenant and the, the... freedom fighter that Superman put them in, and then the one that Superman ended up getting in. And you said what? That was supposed to be Mala and Jack Soares? I think so, yeah. Because that's the only way I can justify it in my head. Because I didn't know where that came from. Just all of a sudden, there's this other escape pod. Where'd that come from? You know, but okay, I can accept it as maybe being theirs. But there were no others. So it's sort of like that thing in Clerks, where they talk about how all the all the innocent people on the, star, on the Death Star that got killed by the Rebels... Yeah. That's the same thing. Superman just killed, I don't know how many people, thousands, hundreds, tens of thousands, I don't know, by letting the ship break apart and fall into the, the void of space. Superman, Superman, Superman. That's not like you. And then speaking <laughs> of him not being himself, okay, earlier we, we spoke about him just sort of being like, I can't do anything for these people, and now we've got him letting people get sucked in the black holes. But here's another thing. After he saves the um the people from the black hole the first time around mm-hmm. and he brings the ship planet side he sets it down on the ground and all of the people in the ship they freak out and they're like he's one of them he's one of them and of course we don't know who they are at this point and they all start running out of the ship and superman again in a very unsuperman like move grabs the girl who would end up being the freedom fighter that helps him later and he's like tell me what's going on i almost expected him to start like shaking her <laughs> he, he grabs her by the arm really hard and won't let her run away from him. Superman doesn't do that. He doesn't stop someone and say, tell me why you're running from me, citizen. Like, <laughs> that's not you, Superman. You're being a dick. Uh, all throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of those old the, the old Superman, or that website, what is it? Superman is Super, an asshole. Superdickery.com. <laughs> that's it. That's Super it, yeah. Dickery. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen those, but that's what it reminded me of. There is a lot of super dickery going on here. He's just he's just so out of character throughout. You know, it's kind of like Superman Returns, huh? <laughs> yes, got to keep knocking that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I almost at, at some points I almost wanted to root for the other Kryptonians, like just kill this abomination because this is not Superman. This is some Superman clone thing that hasn't quite turned into Bizarro yet, and that's why he's an idiot. You know? <laughs> you just kill it and put it out of its misery and just continue along your fascist ways. <laughs> Is this like you're wishing for that Rachel Ghoul robot all those episodes ago? Rachel Ghoul robot? What? 
like in Avatar, when it was like he was doing all these stupid things, and you're like, oh, yeah. cat. <laughs> robot. It had to be. <laughs> I forgot about the race robot. Yeah, same thing. It's 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 a Superman robot. It's 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 bizarro. I don't know. It's Superman when he flew by the black hole. It created a duplicate Superman, sort of like in a Superman three. Yeah, Superman three, where he has to fight himself in the in the junkyard. You know, is that Superman three? I don't remember. I'm sorry. Superman four, <laughs> Superman three or four, whichever one. It, it's sort of like that. It's it's a duplicate who's just a little off. He doesn't quite think like Superman does. So he doesn't save the day. He wants to leave the planet because he's a chicken or something. I don't know. <laughs> the cowardly <laughs> Superman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Going to the, the merry old land of Oz to see the wizard and wish for uh, courage. <laughs> I should kill you, you know. There's no reason not to. I could give you one. Or two. No one's ever eluded us for as long as you did. What's your secret? What's yours? No one's ever chased me as long as you did. Normally, I like men who don't know when to quit, but... We're deeply committed to our faith. Ah, yes, your faith. Why don't you tell me all about it? She's stalling! <gasps> Let's kill her and be done with it. She asked about our faith. That's the first step toward conversion. And conversion's good for the soul. Not to mention the body. Next up is the Gotham Knights episode, Cult of the Cat. In this one, Selena Kyle is doing her typical thing, and that's stealing stuff. Generally stuff that um, looks like cats. But this time, she's in way, way over her head, and she's actually stealing from a cult that worships cats, if you didn't quite get that from the title. And uh, they go after her hardcore, because not only do they want their uh, statuette back, um, it has to be cleansed in blood. So uh, she decides that, you know what? I am in a bit of trouble. So she finds Batman and she says, hey, help me out. So he decides to help her out. And uh, along the way, they both get mixed up with this cult. And so Batman has to fight a genetically enhanced saber-toothed tiger or something. Again, like the genetically enhanced animals. And uh, <laughs> stop the cult at the same time. So, oh, and try to convince Selena that stealing's wrong, because that always works. Okay, so thoughts about Cult of the Cat. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm sorry, what, what, what were we talking about here? <laughs> joking and storing aside, um, this isn't a good episode, I'll openly admit that. But I actually think this one's head and shoulders above the other ones we've been speaking about. Yeah, for whatever that's worth. Right, exactly. If 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 we were just reviewing this one, I probably would have given it a slightly lower score. But because we're reviewing it in the same episodes as those other ones, I think its score might have benefited just a little. Because it's like, you know, it's really not as bad as some of those. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do get to see Batman get, have the shit kicked out of him pretty bad. And yes. that's always fun to see. His costume gets ripped to hell. Yeah, I, I like that scene where he's 
you know, like his whole sleeve, his whole right sleeve is missing. And you can honestly see how huge his arm is. It's, yeah. it's the same size as it is in the uh, gray outfit, but it just looks bigger when you actually get to see it in the flesh against the gray outfit. It's like, man, that dude's jacked. Yeah. Like, you, you really understand how big of a man Bruce Wayne is, that no longer is he the frumpy guy in the brown suit. He really is Mr. Gotham City. Like, this is the guy all the women want to be with and all the men want to be. <laughs> I love this. Batman is not only so desperate that he asks for Catwoman's help at the end there, but he also has to go, nice kitty. <laughs> nice kitty. <laughs> oh, boy. Um... And here, here I have to ask it again, as I have so many times in the past. Why did they not unmask him? For yes. fuck's sake, why did they not unmask him? Yeah. He was knocked out. There's nothing he could do. You can find out who Batman is, and you don't. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's, I don't... I've, I, I've said it so many times before, it's almost losing its meaning. It, I mean, I... I... I agree with you on both points. It's just becoming stupid. Not us saying it, but the fact that he's not getting unmasked is stupid at this point. Catwoman knocks him out and then plays some silly little game with everybody. They drag his body away and nothing? No? You just throw him in a pit and you're going to watch him fight a giant lion like a gladiator. Really? You're not going to see who this guy might be. See if maybe you can blackmail him. Especially because the way they did it, there's no way they'd be able to find out who he was after the fact because he'd be dead. He'd be eaten. The only thing I really liked about this episode was the interrogation in the Batcave. Well, I mean, it was a nice touch because you can see that he's really pissed off. And instead of just holding him over a rooftop, he's just going to bring him back to the Batcave and just really, really fuck with the guy. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, anyway, uh, it's a Catwoman episode. I am... I'm just all thrilled about that. You know how much I love Catwoman episodes, Mike. <laughs> yes. Is this the last time we ever see Catwoman, or does she come back? She comes back. When does she come back? Uh, I know there's an episode that focuses on the female uh, heroes coming up. Is she in that one? Um, Because she's not in Justice League. No, she's okay. not. Okay. Um, Let me see. I'm, I'm going to pull up the list of episodes that are remaining, because I cannot remember the title of the one I'm thinking of. I am 99%. Like, Girls Night Out? Is that it? No, she, I don't think she's in Girls Night Out. Okay, we uh, Animal Act, Old Wounds, no, that's Mad Hatter, The Demon Within, uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, Girls Night Out, Mad Love, Chemistry, Beware the Creeper, and Judgment Day. It's not chemistry, is it? I don't no, know. Chemistry is. I don't. Know. I I thought she came back for another one, but maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Hmm. I, I'm sort of foggy with some of the remaining episodes. Um, the only one I could see her coming back in is Girls' Night Out. Mm. But, I don't know. She's not in Batman Beyond at all as, like, an old woman or anything? Um, no, I don't believe so. Oh. She's not in Mystery of the Batwoman? Nope, she doesn't come back. I forgot. I thought there was another, there was one more episode where she came back, but no, she doesn't. The only other thing she's in is that Chase Me short. Mm-hmm. That's with the, uh, that's on the same DVD as the, uh, oh, shit, there's a uh, Mystery of the Batwoman, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I think that's where it is. is she's in. Well, she's in the Gotham Girls. Oh, she's in Gotham. Shorts, though, it's right. All over the place, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we get a little more of her, but not really anything of merit. 
Not that she's really done much of merit in the uh, overall universe anyways. But um, getting back to this episode, what, what else about it? Um, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's really straightforward. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just a boring episode. It really is. There's, yeah. there's very little substance to it. You have the, this, these, ga- these, it's a cult and they're chasing after Catwoman and eventually Batman. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then well, at the end of the episode, we find that Selena has gotten away with all kinds of stuff and <laughs> it's like, okay, well, she's gone forever. Yeah. It, it's like, well, first off, how did she get away with all that stuff with the cops and Batman hanging around. It's not like she got a handful of gems or some antique clock or anything like that. She had piles and piles of jewels scattered around her apartment or wherever she was staying. Like, there's no way she got, she's a good crook, but she's not that good. No. You know, because, and it's not like she went back later and got it because Gordon says to Batman, there's surprisingly not as much, Loot as we thought, and Batman's like, really? So, mm-hmm. wh- when did she do that? And where was she? It's not like she could have done it beforehand when Batman was still knocked out, because where was she hiding it? No, she she got away when uh, Batman was uh, dealing with uh, Blake, yeah. and then I mean that's that's when she got away because Batman's like Catwoman. Yeah, I mean she would have had time to grab a, a handful or two yeah. and maybe throw some stuff in a satchel, but. Like in a pillowcase, like she was trying to when Batman first came um, onto the scene. Actually, into the lair, I should say. He's not the first time we see him. Um, But you know he would have been looking for her. It's not like he just sat down and said, oh, she'll be good. She won't steal anything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, he was running after her, and he simply didn't find her. And she got away with a couple of things. Not as much as we saw, though. That is is silly. Um, Speaking of silly, how did Catwoman get into the car. Yeah, the Batmobile. She's yeah. just laying in there. Yeah. Like, she, she doesn't have a key. Batman did not give Selena Kyle a key to his car. I'm sorry. Because you know why? She's going to boost the car. You don't give her a key because it's going to end up at some chop shop for a couple of bucks. You know, that that's really the end all and be all of it. So, yeah. again, good thief, but not good enough to break into the Batmobile. I'm sorry. If Batman has his mask and his belt rigged so you can't get it off sometimes. Um, yeah. That's the sometimes because it was taken off in this episode. You know he's got that car rigged. You know it. Uh. Can we make this the shortest uh, review ever and just go on to the next one? <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at my notes and seeing if I have anything else to say about this one. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, we saw... Okay, I got to start over again. Pardon me and all my okays and half starts. But this is the 33rd episode of this show. You guys should realize that's how I structure my sentences. Damn right. right. Anyways, <laughs> what I was trying to say is we get two on-screen deaths in this episode. I mean, yeah, we got it in the last one, too, with Mala and Jack Soar falling into the black hole. Mm-hmm. But these ones are actually really violent. You get the female, um, like the alpha female, she falls over into the pit, into the uh, the gladiatorial arena area, lands really awkwardly, and then her cape falls over her face, almost as if a blanket was laid over her uh, face after she died. We never see her move again. She's dead. She, I, I, just by virtue of that thing landing on her face, that tells me... 
that she's that was symbolically said that character is dead. And then the other one is the uh, the alpha male, the leader of the cult. What was his name? Blake. Okay, yeah, him. He he doesn't just fall into the pit. He falls, and then the giant cat creature thing jumps on him. Or lands on him. I forget exactly how it played out. So he took a pretty nasty fall, and then some several thousand pound beast, and you know that thing's a couple of thousand pounds based on its size, crushes him. Crushes him. Yes, we see him groan, and we see him carted away with a little oxygen mask at the end, but he's dead. He is gone. And it's those are some pretty gruesome deaths. Never mind the various ninjas that the cat surely killed along the way, too. Because it was knocking them into the pit left and right. You know it swiped a couple of jugulars and ripped open some chests. But in terms of main characters, main villains, those two are goners. Oh, yeah. Because the, the, what the Sabretooth thing does is he runs... He runs uh, towards Batman. Batman kind of steps out of the way, and he, and he jumps over Batman and tackles Blake, and he falls on top of him as he hits the ground. So yeah. it's like one consecutive motion of him crashing to the ground and being crushed. So, yeah, he is beyond dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, His I mean, rib there's... cage is in many thousand pieces. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's exactly what I, was, what I was trying to get at there. There's, there's no way they can justify him being carted away with the little oxygen tank attached to him. No, 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 no. He's, he's just gone. Um, I don't know. What can I say nice about this episode? Batman's nose bleeds. We get to see Batman bleed again. We don't see that that often. Um, I was curious about a line though. Batman tells Selena something like, uh, I forget the, the, everything that was going on around it, but, oh yeah, he says, I might've been knocked out twice tonight, but, I'm not losing my memory or something. I still have my long-term memory. Yeah, there you go. I only remember him getting knocked out once. Selena clobbered him. What was the second time? Um, I don't remember, actually. Yeah. Did he get knocked out when he first encountered the ninjas? When, you know? Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's referring to when they got blown out of the furnace. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But he didn't really get knocked out because he was on a rooftop the whole time hanging on. He wasn't really knocked out. Yeah. I don't know then. I'm not going to go back to find out, but it was, <laughs> when I heard the line, I was like, wait, no, 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 no. I only remember one, but I don't know. Like, I, I, I really could have missed the other one. Maybe he was out for just a second or two and he considered that knocked out. I don't know. Maybe his memory was affected. I'll go. No. Too late. He needs your help now. Who? The Green Lantern. And finally up today is the Superman episode, In Brightest Day. And, of course, this episode depicts the debut of Kyle Rayner, whom you should... Damn well recognized as the creative young man who will become Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the story here unfolds with a, uh, a NASA shuttle attempting to make a landing uh, when a 
a bogey collides with it and while hurtling towards the planet. And of course, of course, Superman manages to save the shuttle and the crew. And but after after we see this, uh, we see the wreckage of the ship that collided with the shuttle, and inside is of course Abin Sur. He's dying, and he sends the ring to find the worthy wielder. And the ring finds its way to Kyle, while Superman uh, finds the ship wreck uh, the ship wreckage later on. Um, and Abin Sur mutters the words Green Lantern as he dies. And Superman wonders, of course, what that is. He has no he has no earthly clue what that is. And Sinestro appears out of nowhere and just proceeds to beat the piss out of him all over the place. Uh, Superman survives, and uh, he discovers a Green Lantern battery that transports him to Oa, where the Guardians of the Universe explain who they are, who Sinestro is, their mission, the whole nine yards. Um, back on Earth, Kyle is using his newfound powers for the first time to save you know, a little girl from getting crushed and then a guy from dying in an explosion. And then Sinestro confronts him, and starts battling him while demanding the ring. You know, Rainer is, of course, badly outmatched because he's he has no idea really how to use this ring that well. And But Superman arrives and saves him when the ring runs out of power. So later, you know, Superman's explaining what happened, and but Sinestro catches up to them and starts fighting Superman. And Superman is just easily dispatched yet again, but mm. Kyle powers up the ring with the battery, and after quoting the oath, the Green Lantern oath, he... He's ready to battle Sinestro, and you know he eventually defeats him. And then after this, we get the end. Kyle is brought before the Guardians, and you know he's really just like saying, "I don't, I'm not, I'm no good for this. I'm just a, a goofball who draws pictures." And Superman assures him that he'll be perfect for the job. So that's it. Mm-hmm. And finally, finally, we get a decent episode today. Yeah, get your. We get some Kyle Rayner to hopefully yes. save the day here. Yes, we do. Um, it's weird, though, because it's Kyle in name. It's Kyle in spirit. Um, you know, he is an artist. The Kyle in the comics is an artist, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's young. He's unsure of himself. Um, all that's Kyle, but it's partially Hale's origin, too. Yeah. Um, you know, Hale's origin is Abin Sewer crash-landed on Earth, said find a worthy one, or whatever he said. And the ring went off and found Hale Jordan. That's Hale's origin, but they gave it to Kyle. Now, I understand why they did that. It's it's a familiar origin. If you have even a passing knowledge of Green Lantern, you pretty much know that origin. Um, it's a lot simpler than Kyle's comic book origin, because then they'd have to get into Parallax, and you're the last of the Lanterns. And they just didn't need that. Um, so I, I kind of liked that they combined the two origins, because... By doing that, they were actually paying respect to Hal Jordan. Because oh, absolutely. I, I almost wonder, and I don't know, I'm just wondering here, if there was some pressure put on them to use Kyle because he was the Green Lantern at the time. Um, I think when this episode was made, I don't know if Hal had redeemed himself yet if or if he was still a bit of a villain. At this point, he might have been the Spectre. Um, but regardless, I do have to wonder if... The higher ups at uh, Warner Brothers or whatever said, "Use Kyle. Uh, we know you want to use Hale because think about all the characters they use. They're always the Silver Age characters, you know." Um, but but I really have to think someone on high said, "No, no, no, use Kyle." So they tweaked his origin and gave him Hale, so they could get what they wanted, but the execs could also get what they requested. Yeah, this it's like we said off off the air though. I mean, this episode is really just one big action sequence yes it is um that doesn't mean it's bad no um 
it's this episode just, is a breath of fresh air. It is. <clears> I mean, this is just voice again. <laughs> this is just A leads to B leads to C leads to D leads to Kyle becomes a real hero. That's what this episode is all about. Um, you don't have to put a lot of thought into it. You know, it's just the birth of a new hero. And you almost get the feeling like this was like a backdoor pilot for a Green Lantern show or a Green Lantern core spinoff. Because, I mean, this episode barely features Superman. He's there. He's talking to the Guardians or at least being spoken to by the Guardians. He does battle Sinestro the first time. He does get beat up by Sinestro. But this is all Kyle. All him. It's not like the... uh, the the one where Superman and the Flash teamed up, where it was pretty 50-50. Yeah. This one is like 75-25, really, um, in terms of screen time. And in terms of ass-kicking power, It's Kyle gets a bigger percentage because Superman gets owned left and right. And I like that. I'm not complaining yes. in the slightest. Here comes Sinestro with one of the most powerful weapons in the universe, his version of the Green Lantern ring. He literally could have been the greatest Green Lantern ever, but then he screwed up, he got exiled, he got his ring taken away, he's pissed off, he's got all this anger behind him. He is going to destroy anything that stops him from achieving his end goal. And if that means ripping Superman in half, Superman's nothing to him. When you can think up deadly weapons, when you can create deadly weapons, but but with a thought, I should say, some guy from a distant planet that's powered by a yellow sun really is not going to stop you. Because he, Superman would have to travel faster than you think to stop you from stopping him, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Flash and, even says so in Justice League when, he's, when he has to fight Sinestro for a brief moment. Oh, does he? What does he say? I don't remember that. It's like, Sinestro goes, my ring is, or my beams are as fast as you are, light speed. And Flash goes, yeah, but you don't think that fast. And then he, be, he overcomes him. It's huh. a really very cool mo- little moment. Okay. Yeah, but you see, that's what I'm saying. You'd have to be almost light speed to to stop Sinestro or anybody with that ring. Because you think of things, you don't even realize how many things you're thinking in a second. You, you don't know. And it's all going to, when when you are that trained with that kind of ring, it's all going to come out in that ring and, and stop your foe. So mm-hmm. Superman stands no chance. And by by Superman getting his ass handed to him, that allows Kyle to really become a true hero. Because the Guardians tell Superman that he has to help Kyle because no one man can stand up to Sinestro alone. But Kyle does stand up to Sinestro alone. Superman helps in that he brings Kyle the lantern that allows him to recharge his ring. But Superman doesn't do dick all after that. He gets put on that really cool drill thing. Yeah. And gets and gets shot into the earth. After that, it's Sinestro and Kyle, mano a mano. And Kyle hits Sinestro so hard at the end, Sinestro loses his teeth. Teeth, yes. Awesome. <laughs> There's literally several teeth myth- missing from his mouth. It, it's nasty. It was, I mean, if we want to talk about dead, again, there's a dead character for you. But you could justify it by saying, okay, the ring protected him in some fashion. But, oh, he's broken bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. But I think, really, Kyle Rayner was the best choice for this cartoon. Because, again, this was for kids. And I think they could probably relate more to a Kyle Rayner. Because he's he's ridiculously creative. And, mm-hmm. you know, he spends half his life in a fantasy world, as he says. Right. And again, he's younger. He's not mm-hmm. the older Hal Jordan, though we do see Hal Jordan's plane. Right, we do. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, Kyle does crash into it. In fact, there are several nods to the past. Not only does he get part of Hale's origin, not only do we see Hale's plane, um, Gil Kane is referenced, and he co-created uh, the Silver Age Green Lantern, the Hale Jordan Green Lantern, and, um, shoot, uh, the, the other co-creator, and I'm forgetting his name, Broom? Yeah, uh, uh, Hale's plane is on Broom uh, Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And again, he's, uh, what was his name, John Broom, um, like I said, co-created Hal Jordan with Kane. So there's a lot of nods towards the past, but they really, you're right, wanted to make this as accessible to kids as possible. So here's this 20-something guy, has a fantasy job drawing stuff, using his imagination. That's awesome. It's he's not some, yeah, he's not some stuffy guy sitting, you know, in an office, you know, crunching numbers. Sure, he's in an office, but he's, he's drawing airplanes and <laughs> superheroes. And, oh, again, speaking about nods, the, the artwork that Jimmy is looking at that is Kyle's when they're mm-hmm. sitting at the restaurant, which is named uh, uh, Gil's Restaurante or something like that. Again, reference to Gil Kane. That artwork, uh, Bruce Tim drew it, but um, he drew it in Kane style. So that, again, it's, it's not Kane artwork, but it's meant to look like Kane artwork. So Kyle's drawing like the guy who created Hal Jordan. So it's it's very meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Kyle Rayner is really very likable in this episode, too. Mm-hmm. It's He has some great dialogue. It's, uh, my favorite moment in this entire episode is when Kyle is first put on the spot fighting Sinestri. And he's like, wait, don't you want to talk first? You know, banter back and forth to show me your innate superiority. No, no. <laughs> that, that is so great because that's the kind of stuff that comic book geeks think about. We're like, uh, why are these guys talking? They, sh- they they would never stop to talk like this in real life. They'd be beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the second Spider-Man made some quip, Doc Ock's just going to rip his head off. You know, like, boop, there goes your head, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Did you... I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, and, and then Lois's line about, yeah, Chief, he was heading to the one place where even my credentials won't get me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. That was a funny moment. Speaking of that scene, that's the scene where Kyle gets the ring. Yes. Kyle's in the bathroom and the ring comes flying in, hits him in the head and he picks it up and starts freaking out because the ring puts the costume on him. And then Perry comes in and blah, blah, blah. Um, Kyle didn't wash his hands. Yeah, I noticed that, too. (laughs) (laughs) It made me think of that scene in the Justice League where the Flash and Luthor switch their brains. Yeah. Aren't you going to wash your hands? No, because I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, that's funny. I finally got to see the whole part of that episode. Oh, uh, oh. When I, you know, I, to- I told uh, at the very beginning of our episode today here, I talked about I, I bought the season sets. Justice League season two was one of the, or Justice League Unlimited season two is one of the ones I didn't have, and I finally got to see the end of the Great Brain Robbery. <laughs> I, I, I cannot. So I can't wait till we get to that episode. That episode. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's one of the best episodes, but it's one of my favorite episodes. Oh God, yes! Uh, in in all of the DCAU, because it's just it's just the Flash out of you know. You get to see you- Michael Rosenbaum gets to portray the bad guy, and Clancy Brown gets to be a goofy good guy. I mean, exactly. I mean, you've got you've got Michael Rosenbaum doing Clancy Brown's Lex Luthor, but if you think about it. Michael Rosenbaum is Lex Luthor. So it's like, whoa, yes. what a mind fuck. Um, but you know, what I was getting at is you also get, you know, Flash, he's got no powers and he's stuck with all these villains and Luthor does have his powers and he's all with all the heroes. Oh, it's so good. I love that episode. We should do every episode of World's Finest Podcast should just be all about that one episode. Anyways, uh, <laughs> back to the Joker. 
Okay, that's <laughs> that would be my choice sure. right there. <laughs> okay, uh, but back to uh, In Brightest Day. Um, I, I gotta admit, I'm not... I, I do like the Green Lantern characters. Y'all know I love Kyle, I love Guy Gardner, I like what they did with... Um, what do you call it, with Jon Stewart in Justice League. I like what they did with Hal Jordan over in um, The New Frontier. But I'm not the biggest fan of Green Lantern. I, I think it's a great concept, but I don't read it monthly. That said, whenever I hear the Green Lantern oath, I just get chills. Because it's such a great oath. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that, and it's like, that is badass. It's to me, and people are going to disagree, but to me, that's on par with Sam Jackson's uh, speech in uh, re- uh, Pulp Fiction. The Ezekiel speech. Yes, to me, it's it's that badass. You hear a Green Lantern saying it, and it's like, don't even fight anymore, man. Just give up because they are going to just own you in a heartbeat. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and what makes it great? There was a. A great animation sequence there with Kyle reciting the oath and the guardians are are circling around him. It was a very cool moment of animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but speaking of uh, of animation and stuff like that, did you notice that Kyle's rejection letter came from DC Comics? I did. That was neat too. Um, you know, it's the of course it's the old school DC logo from the seventies, eighties, and nineties. So it was it was yeah. nice seeing that on on screen and whatnot. And uh, it added a bit of a uh, I don't know. Credibility is the word I'm looking for. I don't, I don't know. You know, I know what you're saying, point. but even I can't think of the word. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? You know what it is? This is what it is. I have rejection letters from DC from a writing standpoint, not an artist standpoint. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Kyle, I feel your pain. I have letters with that same <laughs> logo on them underneath my desk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. I know. I know. Sure you are. <laughs> mm. Angel face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah. It's uh the, the really and I like the fact even though this is, you know, it's an episode it's a kind of a kind of sort of a turn your brain off for uh 25 minutes mm-hmm. and watch the action. They're good action sequences. Yeah. So it's not like it's just something you got to bear sit and bear. It's just it's really just very enjoyable cool action sequences. We got Kyle when he first gets the ring I don't know if the, if this was a nod to the comic books or not because it seemed like this was what I thought about first uh, when he uses the ring and it's he sprays like goop all over Sinestro and he's like mm-hmm. you know chewing gum gets in your hair and all that stuff. Um, it seemed to me like that was a nod to when a Green Lantern is blinded and then they can't and their ring is they try to use a ring and it like just this gloopy non just shit comes out of the ring instead of a beam of light. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that reminded me of the comic books when that happened. So that was kind of that was kind of cool. I don't know if they meant to do that or anything, but it was it was kind of neat. No, I, I did like it because it showed you that Sinestro wasn't prepared for that. He's used to beams of light. He's used to you know crowbars and boxing gloves and machinery and things like that. Mm-hmm. But goop, he clearly. I mean, he gets out of it easily, but he clearly wasn't ready for it. Um, so it shows you that Kyle. Okay, he might be new to the game, and Sinestro might be have been doing this for decades, for all we know. But Kyle is a completely different beast because he's an artist. He thinks differently than someone like Sinestro is going to. Mm-hmm. He's, his imagination is so far above and beyond where Sinestro's is. You, Sinestro literally doesn't know what Kyle's going to be throwing at him. 
one of the things that I found funny and not necessarily funny in that good way was that uh, after Sinestro beats up Superman uh, the first time, uh, after Superman's done looking at Evan Sewer's uh, rocket ship, Sinestro laments that the Guardians have entrusted the ring to brutes like these. Sinestro's the one that instigated the fight with Superman. He's the one that did all the beating up of Superman. Superman didn't do anything during that fight to make Sinestro think Superman was a brute. Now, maybe, you know, that was supposed to show that Sinestro doesn't understand that, yes, he himself is a brute, um, that he's deluded, but I don't know if that's what they were going for. I don't want to say it was bad writing, because I don't think this episode is written bad at all, but I just thought the line was a little suspicious, we'll say. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know if Superman lands a single punch or gets a no, or throws he, a rock or anything. He throws at a, he picks up a tree and tries to throw it at him, but it's immediately buzzsaws it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. But Sinestro does everything. Superman just flies down. And he's like, or Sinestro comes over and he's like, "Who the hell are you?" And the next thing you know, Superman's just, you know, having his butt whooped. ass handed to him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. What else about this one? What else? Not not really a whole lot. It's just. Yeah, it's very, very linear, mm-hmm. like uh, many of the episodes we've talked about today. But at least it was linear in a good way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and it was it was a very a very fun episode to watch, especially especially from an action standpoint. Because truthfully, we really haven't had all that many episodes lately that are just kerpow, you know, oh my god, action sequences yeah. right and left. Yeah, and and then good action, of course, right, because exactly. a lot of the action we have been getting just. You know, okay, let's go back to um, Cult of the Cat. Some of the action in that was good. We got to say that. The stuff with the ninjas with the Wolverine claws, I, I liked some of that. I got to yeah, be honest. it wasn't bad. Uh, but, you know, it was sort of typical Superman, or, uh, Batman action. This, we've never really seen this level of action in Superman before. That Not, not that it's lasted this long and was this creative from start to finish. Um, and I think that's what sets this one apart from the other Superman episodes that have good action and from, you know, obviously from the bad Superman episodes that have bad action. <laughs> yes. Um, I think the last thing I want to say about this one, though, is I didn't understand why at the ending Superman gets pissed at Kyle for a second. Uh, when they're in front of the Guardians, Kyle, you know, they're all like, hey, you're the new Green Lantern. And Kyle's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just some schlub that can draw really good. I'm not a superhero. Why don't you make it someone like him? And he's trying to say, give the ring to Superman. And in the background, Superman cocks an eyebrow and he makes like a pissy face at Kyle. I didn't understand why, why Superman was getting mad at Kyle for not wanting to constantly put his life in danger. <laughs> I must have missed that. I didn't, I didn't catch the eyebrow or anything. Yeah, because then Superman steps up and he's like, well, I think that'd be the perfect reason why you'd make a Green Lantern. But yeah, watch it. It's real quick. But he clearly makes a face at Kyle like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, how <laughs> dare you not want to defend the universe at the cost of your own life and friends and family and jobs and all that? And <laughs> Superman's thinking, I don't remember the last time I got laid. And Kyle's like, I got laid last night and I'm never going to get laid again. <laughs> oh, yes, I had to go to that level. Anyways, uh, should, <laughs> should we score this one? Yeah. Or all of them, I guess? Are yeah. we ready? Oh, okay, so back be fun. To- yeah, I know. Back to Little Big Head Man. What do you give that one? Uh, I'll give it a four. 
I'm going to give that one a three. Okay, Critters. I think I'm I think I'm being generous because the commentary track made me laugh so much. I'm going to give this one a three. <laughs> I'm giving this one a two. Now, remember earlier I started saying something. Like I was almost going to give away my score. What mm-hmm. I was going to say was that this is a two if you're just watching it by itself. But with the commentary track, and we sort of touched on this when we were discussing the episode, this episode becomes a seven. So, it, so it, I'm, it's officially getting a two, but it's really, really funny with the commentary track. So only sit down to watch this one if you have the DVDs. If you see it on TV, turn the channel. You got the DVD, put the commentary track on. So let's see. What's next? Absolute power. Absolute power. Uh, I'll give that one a three. <laughs> I agree. That gets a three. Cult of the Cat. Uh, it's average. I'll give it a five. Again, I agree with you, but like I said earlier, that probably would have been a four if the ones that preceded it weren't so bad. Mm-hmm. And then in Brightest Day. I'll give that one an eight. And again, we agree. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss two episodes of Superman the Animated Series, Superman's Pale and A Fish Story, and three episodes from Gotham Knights, Animal Act, Old Wounds, and The Demon Within. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 